2: Hello, everybody. It's just after eight o'clock, about three minutes after eight o'clock. But we couldn't, could not interrupt Christian Filippaldi, could we? Absolutely fantastic. And uh, that will be getting podcast in a little while, uh, but not before we've played it a few more times on Play Out. Uh, it is at the 13th series and the 41th, 41th episode of Midweek Motorsport. Hello, uh, it's almost time to put the clocks back here in the UK uh, next week's show we will have changed the clocks uh, it's fall back so if you haven't changed your clocks wherever you are please take note uh, I'm looking out on a very dark vista outside of Hindhoff Towers at the moment uh, I cannot see anything outside because it is that dark this evening however up in London where the lights are always shining uh, Tim Gray is our executive producer evening Tim
3: Good evening, John.
2: And on a packed, practice- packed show tonight, we have
3: what? On a packed show tonight, we have all the usual features. Excellent. Uh, we'll have some news. We'll have some features. We have uh, some interviews. We have a special guests, uh, and we have uh, regular contributors. Most of them, at least. Some of them. Just they kind of rotate. Wow. And I don't mean that they stand there and turn around, and turn around in small circles, like Camberwick Green. Yeah. Trump- very much like. Uh, that. Look it up on Google. The unless you already know what we're talking about. Yes. In which case, there's no need to. Um, it always uh, amuses me when people who don't speak French try and speak French and use the verb "retourner" to mean "return" when, of course, it means "rotate."
2: Um, platine is rotate as well, isn't it, or spin, at least? that's spin. Yes. Uh, You platining me around like a record. And wheels as well. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, can I do a little bit of... um, You can. Of erm, I'll do a little bit of um, erm. Right turn lover, hello. Alexander Orkin, hello. All tackled out and looking forward to a challenging and fun show. Why would you say that? Adrian Michael Reese, EMR. Uh, no airfares on the mammoth shift from 3 o'clock this afternoon another stealth earbud set up for tonight would it sound better if I said I was shifting a mammoth I'm not but that might sound cooler than what I'm doing excellent Chris Suku uh, enjoying a paella while listening to tonight's show we'll be working out how to uh, work out some new apps just released today
3: Ooh, I had a yes. paella a couple of weeks ago because I haven't had paella for a long time and well, once I started making it, I actually forgot or I had to remember how do I actually make this. But so I got there in the end.
2: Now, serious question, though, about cooking, which mm. is an integral part of midweight Motorsport on Wednesday night. Do you do paella with just the fish or do you put some rabbit and uh, and um, sausages as, as in it as well?
3: It depends what I have to hand. Um, rabbit tend not to have leftover rabbit in the house. Um, which would please share, I know. Um, the one I did the other week, I was just using up some leftover scallops, uh, and I scallops some... you mean? No, I know what I mean. Right. Uh, and uh, some prawns mm-hmm. and mushrooms, little cherry tomatoes.
2: Okay, very good. Uh, very good. We did have a note from an. Uh, um Apology for absence from one of our listeners tonight who's starting a new job Um, and he said that his new employer doesn't understand the importance of Wednesdays. I suggested that might be a temporary appointment. Whereas Miles Cook is locked into Midweek Motorsport. A rare change he's listening listening, uh, tonight live. Thank you Miles for taking some of your time tonight uh, in the football. Just to prove we're live? Or shall we do that later? We
3: can do that later.
2: Okay. Um... Good. Excellent stuff. Shall we play the jingle and have some news then?
3: Yes. Yeah. But not on that machine because I need to uh, press that button over there. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
2: Shuffle your papers. What have you got for the top story tonight, Tim?
3: I've got this. Ah. And a uh, Miami correspondent, Shay Adam, joins us.
4: I do like that as the walkout music for me. That's very appropriate. That suits
2: you down the
3: ground, that actually,
4: Miss <laughs> yes.
2: Adam. It really does. But you have That's to cool. walk out with a bit of Miami swagger.
4: Oh, of course. Yeah. You, you have to have that little bit of I'm better than the rest of the world because I'm from Miaminess that we all just exude all the time.
3: Yeah. Well, Formula the <laughs> one was in Miami on Saturday. Did you go?
4: Uh, no, no, I did not.
3: Yeah. Uh. Why not? And, uh,
4: Lots of people uh, did.
3: Lots of people did. And they all seem very happy and excited it's about Miami. it. It's Miami.
2: Everybody's always happy and excited. Water's yeah. so clear, you can see to the bottom $100,000 cars. Everybody got them.
4: Well, <laughs> exactly. Some
3: of those cars were worth a lot more than $100,000, weren't they?
4: Oh, yes. Uh, we had what, the Renault on display. They had a Red Bull car doing donuts on the roof of a building that's still under construction, which was pretty cool to see the video of them doing all that, putting all that together. Um, but no, the answer to why I didn't go was that I had an electric car that the total range of was 70 miles, so I could not have gotten there and back. I would have uh, run out and been parked up on the side of the road somewhere. Do
3: they not have charging in uh, Miami?
4: Not for smart cars, no.
3: That's not very good.
4: Nope. So, but hey, it's not very hey.
3: smart, really, is not, it? Not
4: very smart, no. This is, this is
3: a city that's hosted a Formula <laughs> E race, isn't it?
4: Uh, It is. That was a while ago, though. I think everybody's forgotten about that. Let's
2: not forget Formula E uh, uh, were charged up by diesel generators. Let's not forget that. (laughs) As they were at Donington Park when they did their test. Honking, great, exhaust-puffing diesel generators.
4: Very, very eco-friendly.
2: Indeed. Um, uh, Moving on.
3: Uh, So, positive impressions all round,
4: yeah, there were, there were some people who were saying there are as many as 80,000 people who showed up for the free concert and the festival. Not entirely sure if I believe that, because I don't think 80,000 people were hanging around downtown Miami on a Saturday. I think that would have been further out on the beach. Um, but then the real kicker was that they were promoting F1. They were trying to get people interested in the race. They were building up all this excitement. Look at what we could have here. And be sure to tune into the race tomorrow. It's going to be on ABC, only it wasn't because our local network, which is WPLG, the station my mom worked for for a long time, so I'm very familiar with them. They chose to air a program about a veterinary clinic instead of airing the F1 race. They put the race on their secondary channel, which you can only get if you have whatever it is, some digital subscription. I couldn't get it on my television. No way. So, yeah, so I was watching, thanks to Comcast, uh, I watched the race in Spanish on Univision, and I had it streaming in English on my computer, thanks to ESPN. But from them having this big festival, from them trying to drum up all the support, to then not even have the race on TV was shameful. Oh,
3: no. Who wants, yep. more, who wants more races in America?
2: Everybody. Nobody. President Trump.
3: Well, let's open this uh, question up to uh, Formula Shall One correspondent our Form- Nick Damon. Shall
2: we bring in? Well, this is a Formula One uh, story, and therefore we should have had this.
0: This. Oh, it's a oh, oh, sorry. No, I have. I have a new opening line for this week only. Do you? Meow. 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 Meow.
2: Sorry, there's a cat got in somewhere.
3: No uh, cats that would be here. My fault. Groundsman very particular about well, not. A Kota,
2: not at Cota. <laughs> not at Cota. Clearly, Nick, they're they're no. not very particular about cats getting in at Cota, obviously. <laughs>
0: Well, they're not particularly about someone standing near to an FX mic or an open interview mic mucking about and probably not realising he, he or she had gone to the world and then um, uh, hurriedly running away. Though, in fairness, in the in the new unburnied let's let's enjoy things when they go slightly wrong. They the uh, powers that be seem to have enjoyed that little interlude, so that was all right. It all came out right in the end. No heads will roll. You know what?
2: The you know what the saddest equipment. thing about that is what that it was actually more entertaining than the sound oh, of the cars. No.
0: Oh, well, sorry, oh, sorry. I, think, I think you're going somewhere else with a the conversation then. I agree with you. I love the sound of these cars. I've, we've had this before. A Ducati on steroids works well, for Well,
2: yes, you know, I've said that too.
0: Anyway, the answer to your question is, who wants more races in, the, in America? Everybody, apart from the Circuit of the Americas.
3: And
2: yes. Americans.
3: <laughs> which, which three Formula One drivers expressed their interest in having uh, more races in America?
0: Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's one, yes. Oh, got, a, got a vote from Shay there for Kimmy. for Kimmy. Kimmy, that's, that's not correct. Oh, okay. No. Anyway. Uh, Kevin Magnussen, because he then he can play with his dad more often. No. Uh, okay. Um, realistically, it's, it's Alexander permanent. Rossi T. He's not front one driver.
3: He
2: was though. <laughs> uh, IndyCar driver. Drive.
3: Which, which drivers from this season? Which oh, okay.
2: Right. Sorry. It's,
0: you, you know, you've got to be. You, you're the one that always says be. Yes. You know. Um, all right, let's 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 start from the top. Was it Valtteri Bottas? No. Vettel?
3: No.
2: Can you just because tell us before we have to answer Fernando
3: Alonso. 20.
2: Well, he's not a Formula One driver as of <laughs> next year, so what's the point?
3: And Roman Grosjean.
2: Well, obviously. See the above. Quest oh. uh, comment, because I don't think he'll be a Formula One driver next year either.
3: Uh, but he, he likes, I believe he's he already confirmed, it. hasn't he? Well, he
2: has, let's see. Yeah. He hasn't. He, um,
3: yes, he has. I think yeah.
0: will have confirmed both of their drivers for next yeah. season.
2: Let's see if he actually gets to the first race.
0: No, he will, barring unfortunate accidents. We wouldn't wish on anybody. It'll be fine. Okay, you say that. So
3: in Texas, uh, Kimi Räikkönen was the winner.
0: He was. But wasn't Sport the real winner?
3: Who foresaw that?
0: Uh, Sport was
2: only the real winner in the first 13 laps, as you rightly said to me when I spoke to you, having avoided the result all weekend... And and I said, when you rang me, I said, don't tell me about the Grand Prix. I'm watching it now. I've just put on pause. And you said, how far are you through? And I told you and you went, oh, so it was like, all right. So nothing happens from now then. And you were absolutely (laughs) right.
0: (laughs) No, load happened. It was great. It was a very, very entertaining race. Um, What can you say? I think, you know, as who foresaw it was the question. Yes, well, no one did, and as everyone knows, I'm not his greatest fan. Um, I am, and, and well, I I appear now to be more out of step with the rest of the world than perhaps. But you know, what can you do? Um, you know, uh, he won. He did a very good job. He managed to hold some people off. It was a ended up being a race of uh, tire strategy, tire attrition, and up also sticks. That, uh, you know, it, it's it is interesting that in a, in a microcosm of the season. Um, In the one race where Mercedes made mistake, well, they didn't didn't, didn't actually make a mistake tactically. Just got they were just their tactical call was proven to be the wrong one. It was a as good as it was a fifty fifty decision. Uh, And Lewis had some problems, and because Fettel made a mistake, he actually managed to drop points. Can I I ask a
2: very serious question here? Yes. When the virtual safety car came out for that was Danny Rick's car, wasn't it? That uh, yeah. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Thingied itself um, on the back straight. Um, <laughs> then, um, why didn't all the virtual safety car lights come on at the same time?
0: I, I have no idea, but don't forget the drivers have an indication on the dashboard. So they know. Okay, I, on I'll, on the
2: I'll rephrase that. If that is the case, then how come the Vettel on back were slowed down from 13 onwards? Uh, 13 to 14 onwards, and uh, across the start-finish line, and all the way to turn six, Raikkonen and Hamilton were still flat out for a good maybe eight seconds after everyone else had slowed down.
3: Is it not following the same system as a normal safety car, where the flags are shown in order around the circuit?
2: No, but well, why would why would no. you see it at the start-finish line first? I mean, because... I, I, I do I do have I do take issue with anybody who said why didn't Raikkonen and Hamilton come in? I'll tell you why Hamilton and and didn't come in. They were past the pit lane when the virtual safety car was called, so yes. that's why they didn't come in. But that but they, and and it's not very often that I can say this, and I did because I was watching it on DVR anyway. I did wind it back and forward several times to look at the onboards from the leaders, and. It, that is one of the few tracks where I can honestly say I know where the boards are, the illuminated boards are. And they went past three or four boards that weren't illuminated at all. Nothing yeah. on them, not a green, not a yellow, and definitely not a VSC. The first one was between six and seven, and that was a good 10 seconds after everyone else had slowed down. That That's that's a massive failure of, of a protocol, Nick, isn't it?
0: Well, the thing you have to remember is they're not actually bothered about the boards, John. They're bothered about making sure they hit the delta on their dashboards. Um, well, they hadn't
2: slowed down, so they'd done a third but, of a lap. they almost the full but, first sector without slowing down.
0: No. If you look at the actual timing of the race, and obviously you have to take Lewis out of this because he went out and had a, a, a half half-price pit stop, the actual gaps between the between Räikkönen and whoever was in third or fourth—probably fourth is fourth more which would have been Vettel for Verstappen, did not change. It changed by less than the actual normal amount in the virtual safety car, which is always plus or minus one or two seconds just because of the way it goes. I think what you saw wasn't was a an, was, an was a kind of an optical illusion based on the fact that, that that they it did go at different sectors. And remember those virtual safety cars. Are qu- are not massively precise. I think if, if I'm right, that they actually only have to keep the speed in each of the three sectors. It might be a couple more, but it's not like it is with some of the other where you have to slow down immediately because a the, 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 the red flag which uh, Vettel got wrong on Friday. What they have to do is meet a delta time, which is 40% slower, which is always quite confusing. But say it was a if say if you say it was 100 seconds, it'd be 140 seconds. They have to reduce their speed within that sector, and you can go as fast as you like at the start of the sector, as long as when you cross the line at the end, you've reduced your speed to that level. Mm. You can do 190 miles now in part one and do 10 miles in part two. As long as the average is correct, it's fine. Oh. Um, as long as you don't go over that... I'm that going to go, and go and back
2: and look at it again and time it, it
0: But because, real time. Well, I mean, from, from, You don't well,
3: even you need have to, to look but, at it. All the timing is available on the website. You can just go and well,
2: have a look at the you, lap times. Uh, presuming you that, that you actually think that that's real and that they haven't spoofed it because they knew they made a mistake.
0: Have a look at the gaps. All you need to do is look at the gaps. Just look at the gaps before the safety car between, say, first and fourth, because Hamilton went in. And look at the gaps at the end of the safety car between first and fourth when it winds out. Don't forget you have to give it half a lap to wind out again. Uh, and then you can see. And I'm not, I'm not saying there wasn't a minor error, but the error was, was quite small because I'm a bit anal about looking at timing screens and gaps. And obviously, I was very interested to see where Lewis was going to come out at that point. And you do the, like the, the gap, it, don't you? i do like a gap and i do like a, i do like a timing screen uh, and the gap and within the within the Mind boundaries the gap of, of a normal one or two seconds you can gain from being a bit more aggressive or a bit lucky with vsc uh it was all the same for everybody
2: you know the best part of the the race at the weekend was daniel ricciardo's race suit and race boots to make him look like a cowboy well,
0: well, But you didn't Max enjoy the wheel the to wheel ones. racing
2: then what wheel to wheel racing was that the bit where i dozed off
0: the bit where Kimi and, and Lewis were, were battling for four laps, where Lewis and... Was that at the beginning? No, that was no, right, right at the very right end.
2: Uh, no, I'd fallen asleep by that point because it had been so tedious. I um, woke up to see him come across the line. Seriously, I, I am not kidding you,
0: you. The last the last seven to ten laps were, were very high-quality racing.
3: Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, shame, to go mate. back to your original point, though, John, Max Verstappen had the same... Uh, Design race suit, and uh, it was obviously made by cowboys because his boots had fallen apart over the course of the I
0: race. Think, ah, shh. Very good. Also, for some reason, for some reason he was, he was eating a plate of beans in the cool down room. I don't know why that was. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought you know, I think it's it, it, it's a season in microcosm. It's a, it's a completely missed opportunity for Ferrari, um, or sorry, it's a completely missed opportunity for Sebastian Vettel. Um, you do kind of wonder what what they what they think they've got as a team leader when he can't get round the corner. And and you wonder, and I think it's quite important, because really, if you listen listened to his post press interviews, you probably didn't, because uh, you were asleep. Uh, no, no, we we'll did go to the, the end, but as soon the as they go across the
2: line, up. I just turned it off and started watching something else.
0: You know, he, said, he said, oh, I'm really pleased for um, for Kimmy, you know, which he has to say, which, of course, he wasn't. Um, and he goes, you know, <laughs> just kind of hoping that, you know, it's good to see our, our, you know, we've got a fast car, our luck's changed, but it's not changed for me. Well, you know, he's obviously very down. He's very um, mentally damaged, I think. Um, since germany's um,
2: been mentally de- well actually
0: the worry the worry is whether this is a is something he can snap out of by next year because next year he's not going to have a a teammate who's who's friendly and lovely and quite compliant and occasionally wins a race he's going to have a hard charge which will give him a hard time and also a team that i am pretty sure though they're all being lovely about it probably lost a lot of confidence in him because he keeps making mistakes he keeps making errors and he's going up against well, someone he made who does the one,
2: didn't he, when he was banging it, wheels again?
0: What was that about? I don't. Know, I don't know how he got that one wrong. I think it, 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 the thing it was. Well, if you look at every single error he's made, at some point there's been a, a, a point where he's overestimated the grip of the car. Mm-hmm. Oddly, on this uh, particular good. one, the car oversteered, not understeered. He had to correct an oversteer, which drove him into so, the side. I tell you of, now.
2: I tell you those. now, and I'll bring Shane on this. If that had been Imza, Vettel would have been. Uh, penalised for not leaving enough room on the outside for the car to go by, wouldn't he?
4: Oh, for sure. Bo would have seen that as track limits, uh, violation from the other car being forced out there, and that wouldn't have been held as a responsible action. So, it's interesting that the verstoppers stoppers that they put in around the track, which uh, <laughs> did stop Max, stopped him from qualifying, they seem to stop people from cutting the corners in too short, but there's still the problem with the runoff areas, and, and that exact situation, John, if that had been a wall, Ricardo would have been in the wall.
3: Yeah. Do we think that the reason why Vettel, and it's happened a couple of times this season, is losing the front of the car at really odd times is because of something odd he's doing with his brake bias?
0: Uh, I heard a theory which actually made a bit of sense to me in that actually what happens is because of the combination when you're having an accident, strange things happens, it actually puts the car into harvesting mode. So the car thinks, oh, I'm slowing down, I'm turning around, I can do a bit of harvesting here. And of course, as soon as you, you're harvesting off the rear, rear axle, effectively you've got a bit of a handbrake effect, which is why the thing comes around like a handbrake turn. He hasn't... He's Does he like it tight press...
2: at the back or slack at the back, though? I can never remember with Vettel.
0: Um Most drivers... Most of, most, most of the drivers like drivers, it loose like the, at the back, don't they? They like it on the nose, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the point is, the reason is, why is he spinning around the whole time? And it may well be. It's a function, he may hit the brake in a certain way, or whatever it may be. But the fact is that it's may, in fact, come from the fact is that the Ferrari begins, goes into a harvesting mode, or is in a harvesting mode, at that point, suddenly it just you know effectively locks rear end up. But I haven't but seen that
3: from any other cars, though, have we? Well, But
2: also, didn't we yeah, but, say, during the days of the double diffuser, that the, one of the reasons that Vettel was so good with it, because he liked a car
0: that tended
2: to a blown diffuser, yes, um, that he liked a car that was um, more sorted at the back end. He liked something that was Tended to understeer more rather than oversteer.
0: He was very good. At, he no, he, he, he was very good at he was very good at controlling the car to maintain this uh, exhaust-driven downforce. So he was constantly managed to stick the car to the ground you know, using a very um, clever uh, throttle application. But yeah, so since this is since that's gone, since he, as you say, since he's not had this glued on rear end, things haven't gone as well. So you know, there are this is the thing. I think I think that another this is another year where. Um, fettel's reputation has been damaged he got very heavy damage when he when he went with um ricardo and lost out in 14 or 15 so he has just passed by so quickly this year he has had a car worthy of winning the world championship and without his mistake certainly um yeah whether he would we would we, have a situation now where lewis doesn't just have to uh, trundle across the line this weekend he would be almost certainly going to have a daddy um and then he now has an issue where the team, I'm sure, pretty certain is, is losing faith. Because yeah. you would do. You, your team leader can't, I mean, there's, there's even rumours, you know, interesting The Mercedes are losing a bit of faith with Bottas at the moment as well. So yes. they're just not matching up. To the, it could be with Bottas. It's more the fact that he's been told not to do anything. But with, with Vettel, he's you know, doing the whole team leader thing, but leading the team very poorly.
2: Uh, let's uh, say hello to Dave Olcock, who's made it just a few minutes late. Uh, Paella. Uh, oh, nice. Univision. 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 Uh, how do you say it, Che? Univision. Univision.
4: That sounds French. That, that sounds very it? French. <laughs> As you know, I
0: much prefer Eurovision.
3: Wasn't what uh, wasn't what Che said at all.
0: Paella.
4: <laughs> paella.
2: Uh, say, well, it's paella here. Um, yes. With
4: Ooh, safety pie. on it.
3: <laughs>
2: Possibly paella. Um, Or, of course, uh, in the parts of Spain that we go to, uh, it sounds nothing like that. Uh, So, moving on, what's next?
3: In the 112 races since Kimi's uh, last win... Oh,
2: God, are we still on Formula 1? Can we not uh, finish it? Oh, goodness me, we're still on this Grand Prix. Oh, please, Uh, let's move on. There have
3: only been seven different race winners.
2: Really? Wow. Yes, can you name them? No, we can't. Move on. Nick? Seem to have lost Nick now. Or should Oh, same to have lost share as well.
3: Well, in S- that case, John will have to get them.
2: Oh uh, all right. Uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, um, Ricardo, uh, Vettel, uh, Rosberg, Bottas. How many am I short of?
3: One. He's Spanish. Uh, Alonso.
0: Yes. There you go.
3: How far bef- um, back from yes uh,
0: hello yes hello yes you forgot one go on pastor melton
3: no that was 2012 which was no. before
0: <laughs> oh right uh, I uh, before Kimi's Nick,
3: previous win <laughs> uh, but how far back before uh, kimmy's previous win do you have to go to get seven different race winners oh you mean
2: it so so since kimmy won there's been seven yes. Before that, how far would you have to go back? In Grand, how many Grand
3: Prix did you say since, Kimmy? There was 112.
2: So how many Grand Prix then? Or how many in years?
3: How, how many Grand Prix? Or years. I mean, you can express it either way. Uh,
2: 67. 16? 60.
4: 60. For 80. seven not including the guys that we listed?
2: No, no, just seven different ones 18, in the same time. Oh, okay. uh,
4: 18 or 19 yeah, races, are you
3: saying?
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was 67. Uh, your way out. In, 2012, in 2012, there were the seven
3: first, different race winners. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Right. In the first okay. seven races, yeah.
3: Including Maldonado, Button, Webber.
0: All sorts of people. 67
2: deers, I meant, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> that
3: would also have been wrong. Okay. have uh, closer, you, though. You wouldn't even have got to Christmas. Moving uh, on. How did uh, Daniel Ricciardo express his frustration?
4: By eating Sunday. a burger.
0: He went to in and out
3: he didn't i bet He's he did he put his
0: hand through a wall he
3: put his hand through a wall yes did that's
0: he it's not a real wall it's not a real wall it's just one of those it's a fake hole thing they set up in the back of the garage oh right that's so he put his hand I through think it was some promotional material in the race material.
3: garage wasn't it right. Pardon? i think it, it was in the uh, red bull energy station
0: it'll still be good at that Corex stuff which is just you know, corrugated plastic
2: as i said some promotional material not a wall
0: uh, it's not newsworthy, to me.
2: Really.
0: Who, uh,
3: what happened between uh, Leclerc and Grosjean? It is, yes Yeah, uh, whose fault the was end, it? Halfway
0: through, uh, Grosjean. Enti- completely Grosjean. He's completely got two penalty Grosjean. points and been told off with a three-place uh, grip penalty.
3: And what could happen to him uh, before the end of the season?
4: He, he could, could get, get a back a race.
3: Mm. <laughs> it's like unison between uh, Shea and Nick. <laughs> Univision. We're in on
0: potting uh, up. In Moving on, uh,
3: tell us about fuel flow, Nick.
0: Uh, you can't have too much, if you get kicked out of the race. You can't use too much, you get kicked out of the race. If you use too much, you call Kevin Magnussen and get kicked out of the race. And if your fuel flows too fast, uh, like Esteban Ocon, you get kicked out of the race, even though it's not actually their fault. And it's actually the first time we've had a fuel infringement, I think, since the first race of the uh, hybrid era back in Austra- Australia in them. Um, I went with 2014. I think that's. I can't remember one since, and get two in the same way. Very odd. It is. Uh, Sorry. So is this Somebody
2: want to wake me up? Go away, John. Drink some more coffee. So is this a is God.
3: this a different uh, different way of measuring it that they've uh, done, or what? What can you attribute this to, John? Uh, Nick? Uh,
2: uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Let me please. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a new sensor.
1: <laughs>
2: I bet it's a new sensor. Or the world's spinning slightly differently. Maybe the air pressure was different. It was, it was, uh, it was a market day in Stockton upon Tees. All of those.
3: Let's move on. <laughs> Who is sad that Stoffel Van Dorn has lost his ability to perform?
2: Stoffel Van Dorn's missus.
0: <laughs> if I'd said that, you'd have, sh- you'd have shushed me. <laughs> that double standard presenting there, John. Stoffel van Dunn's producer, then. Uh, all right. Zach Brown. No. Uh, Robert um, uh, Thierry Bootsen.
3: Thierry Bootsen's correct.
0: Where did you pull
2: Thierry Bootsen from, and why should it be Thierry Bootsen? Is he his manager? He's
0: Belgian. He's Belgian. Oh, right. been uh, a lot of gnashing and wailing of teeth in Belgium about this whole thing. Right. Assuming, um, so so,
2: could have, so we could have said Tintin or... Um, other famous Belgians. Jackie X. Jackie Ickes.
3: John claude Van
0: Damme. Yeah. Um, but he's got a new job, hasn't he, Sestoffel? He's got That's a new it. job. He has.
3: We it? talked yeah. about this last week, though.
0: Did we? What, the, he, no, he didn't. Not that he's the
2: Mercedes
3: simulator oh, the Mercedes driver. Mercedes simulator driver, yes.
2: Where's he taking the simulator to, and how big's the truck he's putting it on?
0: <laughs> hey! <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Moving um, on. We'll, will it get to the <laughs> end? <laughs> will <laughs> we'll get be, to the end? Are <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we'll leaving the porch? Uh, If it's DPD, it'll never get there.
0: No, that's true.
3: It saddens me because Stoffel has the talent to be there, but F1 is like that. He's being treated like a Kleenex. Use him when it's good, and as soon as he's not, throw him out.
0: Well, not a man-sized Kleenex, of course, so they don't exist anymore. (laughs) Extra large, I think you'll find out. No, but that's
2: not how you use a Kleenex. The the whole point of it, that's a rubbish analogy, isn't it? rubbish because the whole point of a kleenex is you use it once and you throw it away
3: yes and that's what uh formula one has done with Stuffel van Dorn. well
2: he's been used more than once hasn't he he's he's more like um a nice linen pocket square that's been used washed used washed, and now it's He'll he'll
0: be used 42 times before he's thrown away yes exactly plus some testing
2: yeah, not a Kleenex at all there. Rubbish analogy. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, by the way, just after half-past here in the UK. <coughs> series 13, episode th- uh, 41.
3: Uh, very briefly, Nick, uh, what's the latest on Alex Albon?
0: Uh, he's really, really annoyed the uh, Nissan slash eDams team by, um, by getting all wobbly about being a Formula E driver. And so much so they lost two days of testing in the official Formula E test in Valencia because he now what, thinks he's got a damn fine chance of getting back in with uh, Red Bull and becoming partner to Danny Kvyat in the Toro Rosso team. No one's commenting on anything, uh, but it's very noticeable that Brendan Hartley got significantly more grumpy at the weekend um, and was and stopped being a, a genial uh, Kiwin became a kind of rather grumpy uh, down underer and uh, started saying things and try, also trying to point out how well he was doing. So my guess is that it's getting quite close. They're going to stick Albon in that Toro Rosso. But there are many T's and C's need ticking. Not the least, he signed a three-year contract with Nissan only a few weeks ago.
4: Hmm. I think Hartley's out because he ate a hamburger after the race. So clearly, if he's eating real food again, he's not going to be an F1 driver.
0: Oh,
2: so he went to in and out as well.
4: He went somewhere. Yeah. Oh, oh one yes, drivers no,
3: no, no. are allowed
0: to eat burgers.
4: Are they? Yes. Not with fries and buns and all the loadings.
0: Really? You can after the race, I think. To be honest, you've done probably several thousand calories. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's going to suddenly turn a bit bit porky or anything.
2: Are they still? Well, no, a bit hammy. Yeah. <laughs> um, are they? Are they still weighing the cars without the drivers?
0: No, they've been weighing the cars with the with drivers, drivers for the last 20 Sorry. years. Yes, but next the year,
3: something. they're going to increase the weight minimum weight. So, By how uh, much? To 80
4: think. kilos.
3: So that they're allowed to eat more. I think they're allowed 80. an extra 30 kilos, is it?
0: No, it's about five, isn't it? I think. I think about five kilos more. They, they just, got they got an increase this year because of the halo.
2: Yeah.
0: It's get The cars are getting too heavy. We really they do these, adore that. Ju- there needs to be a dramatic uh, strip down of the cars in some way. They're way too heavy now. They should be at least 100 kilos lighter.
3: Uh, we're going to move away from Texas now. Right. Oh, OK. Uh, Charlene
2: Terry is... won't be happy.
3: Algemeiner's Krankenhaus de Wien has one fewer Niki Lauda resident this week.
2: Which is good. great news, okay. is it not? The rat has been released.
3: Uh, that's pretty much all we can say though there is a press conference for an update on his condition which will take place tomorrow
2: Mm. frankly the fact that he's been released from hospital um, is good news Uh, full double lung transplant wasn't it Uh, that he had not so very long ago I remember us reporting that and uh, it seems that he really is uh, Captain Scarlet he is invincible and uh, indestructible (laughs)
3: Oh. oh, yeah. Where are we going with this, then?
2: Uh, this, this is, uh, for those that don't know uh, Daytime Television from the... Um 1980s. Commercial uh, stations in the 1970s and 1980s in the UK. Uh, This is Crown Court and the responsible adult has arrived so I have to behave myself from now on. Uh, Where are we we going with this?
3: We're going to Milano.
2: Kill the bed a bit, uh, Dirty. Thank you. Milano. Milano. Okay. Uh,
3: Because? Because uh, a court in Milan has ordered a payment of 502,000 euros. Nice. plus interest Ooh. and legal fees against uh, feeder series bad boy Santino Ferrucci. Really? And his guarantor, an American company represented by Mr. Michael Ferrucci, in relation to the driver's failure to pay the amounts due under a contract with Trident Motorsport.
0: Oh. Was that before or after we went? Um, certainly type of crazy. something crazy. Th- this was <laughs> around the same crazy. time, yes.
3: Yeah. Uh, Trident Motorsport confirms its intention to proceed with any legal action in order to obtain compensation for all damages suffered well above the amount so far retained as interim measure by the court.
2: By today's, uh, by today's exchange rate, that's
3: $572,119.36. Yes. Wow. Mm. Plus legal fees and expenses. Mm. Excellent. And interest.
2: There'll be a lot of interest on that, won't there?
3: Well, it's been going on for seven months, so yes.
0: What, so he didn't pay... When did he, when did he not pay, then? Seven months
3: ago. Uh, uh, pretty much from the start of the season.
0: So was that just an instalment of his, his year at uh, in F2, then? Oh, yes. Hmm.
3: Because you can't do a season of F2 for 500,000 euros. No, it's, I know. He's out that. so early.
0: He <laughs> need several million. Er... Uh,
2: I'm, th- I'm expecting, <laughs> in fact, yeah, you've just beat me to it. I'm wondering if Dale Coyne's on the phone saying, uh, I'm needing all of that money right now, if you don't mind, for next year.
3: Mm. I remember that uh, back in Detroit, he had enough money to go and race an IndyCar then, and then came back for Portland and uh, did another IndyCar race, and then went to uh, the IndyCar season finale and did another one there. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. You must pay for at least one of those because the other two probably not on tick. It's fine. Not establish sure. Establish credit record first.
2: Out of any team in the paddock who is unlikely yeah. to do anything on the never-never, a bit of <laughs> chucky, on tick, uh, other um, slang words for on credit are available. Um, Dale Coinshare, I would suggest, would be the one team in the paddock who would never uh, do anything on account. <laughs>
4: No, no, no. He He's not only asking for, if it's going to be a check, he's going to go to the bank with you to cash the check sort of thing. Yep. Uh, Dale, who Smart is boy. very successful, mm-hmm. you know, won the first race of the season with Sebastian Bordeaux in St. Petersburg way back in March when was seven months ago. So interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see him being too satisfied with this news coming out and then thinking, hang on, that's the guy who's supposed to be paying me next year. Mm.
2: Yes, moving on.
3: Uh, I'd like to move on to Formula Three. Really, the new
0: Formula Three, Hang the on. real which, Formula Three. Which
2: Formula Three? Are old we
3: Formula here? Three and new Formula Three and GP Three, all in one. It's the great Formula Three conundrum com- combination. Do we all have to
2: talk together for that? So there is three of us speaking over each other. No, I thought <laughs> you just shut up. Okay. Uh,
3: one thing that many people have wondered is how. Uh, Six GP3 teams and seven Formula Three teams would come together in this new Formula Three, where there are only ten teams allowed. Well, divided by three. three. <laughs> and how in GP3, where you're allowed to run four cars, and Formula Three, where you're currently allowed to run as many cars as you like. And for example, Motor Park have been running six this season. Uh, oh you'll be restricted to just three cars in new Formula 3. Yes. Giving a 30-car grid. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that uh, five of the six uh, GP3 teams have got a place in new Formula 3, those being Campos, Yensa, MP, Trident and ART. Uh, but only four of the seven Formula 3 teams have. Prima, Carlin, Tech, and Macon.
2: Macon, right. So,
3: Motor Park... (laughs) Yes,
2: indeed. That Georgia? No.
3: Motor Park, who finished runners-up last season with Joel Eriksson and finished runners-up this season with Dan Tigtum, are out.
2: Yeah.
0: But do we know where
2: they want to be? I don't know. We have to play this every time you do this from now on, Tim. Okay.
1: (laughs)
3: Uh, Also out, Van Amersfoort Racing. Right, uh, they're the team. Although they're only six years old, they're the team that brought us uh, such uh, young talents as Max Verstappen, right, and Charles Leclerc. Tis I, <laughs> indeed.
2: Does everything so have th- to be a multiple of three? I think that it should have to be in all these threes. It all should be divisible by three. So you should only you shouldn't be allowed to run four cards. Or any
3: well, they're <laughs> not. They're only going to be they're allowed not. to run three.
2: Well, that's good. Three. But if you run multi, if you run more than three, you have to run six or
4: nine.
3: Oh yes, yes. But you'd never be allowed to do that. No. Okay. Uh, only
4: three tire changers. so yes. Somebody has to run around.
2: I think that you should only have three three wheels.
0: Ooh. Mm. Reliant Robin Racing.
3: Mm. Uh, Arden is uh, the team uh, from. GP3 that won't be in Formula Three, but uh, well, that's because they didn't apply to be part of it. Uh, have they Gary... gone to
2: Have they gone to LMP3 by any chance?
3: Uh, I'll come on to that. Gary Horner, <laughs> uh, Gary, uh, Gary Horner, brother little of Jack's big Horner, brother,
0: right?
3: Uh, said we're expanding our sports car program and looking at another activity this morning, uh, this at m- uh, this moment. That's not in open paintball? wheel racing. Right. where we think the future lies
0: competitive cooking
3: uh, there's Yachty. come a time with GP3 we've been in the championship a long time we've won the championship twice and we have other areas we want to concentrate on
0: it really is
2: LMP3 so everything's 3, 3 really is the magic number or is it GT3
3: they'll be concentrating on uh, Formula 2 uh-huh. Formula 4, uh-huh. Formula Renault and Blancpain
2: 2, 4's a Renault, I don't know what the multiplier for that is and Blancpain. Well, that's GT3. GT3.
3: Where they're racing under the R Motorsport name. Uh,
2: it Should be R3. R R. R, R-, R- Motorsport is like also
3: the team behind the uh, Aston Martin-shaped entry in DTM next year.
2: Mm. Sorry, is really? somebody let a cow in? <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> we had a cat in Formula One, and now we seem to
0: have some bovine intervention. Here see
3: a, a uh, link here.
0: Yes, I just I, I, I can put I can uh, put those dots together in a sort mind palace sort of way that if our motorsport are part of Arden and they want to run with Aston Martin and that's what was it Derek or his name was and Gary Horn and Christian Horner who runs Red Bull Aston Martin uh, this all sounds a bit like the plot thickening. Yes.
2: But it's still not an official Aston Martin entry, and Aston no. Martin aren't supporting it. Um, they have allowed them to use the body shape, and that's all. Yes. And they were all in bed when the, the press release came out.
3: Well, that's because they're in the wrong time zone. Not
2: uh,
3: HWA has also got a uh, is a, a, a place in um, Formula Three next season. Right. Uh, they have no experience of single seaters.
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they
3: do. Formula E. Yes. Well, they have one test's worth of experience of single seaters. Well, then
0: experience. Mm. And let's be really honest about this. Those are uh, the DTN DTM cars were just single seaters with they different were, body They were, on them. They were
2: yes. effectively a form an old Formula Three thousand car when they started, weren't they? Uh,
0: they were the What's Japanese
2: Super they? Formula Super car. Super Formula. That's right. Yes, that's right.
3: Uh, there is speculation that they might take over Arden's Formula 2 entry, but uh, Gary Horner denied that. Did he? What yeah. did he say? He said that's not happening. Okay. So I haven't been told that's happening yet by my brother. Okay. Uh, Daniel Abt. We're
0: doing a lot of German-based stuff here, we are
3: we? This yeah. is now. the story.
0: Abt. Is it an Audi? I he's at, in the Formula E test in Valencia.
3: Uh, yeah, but that's not what this story is about. Not what's oh, not God.
2: what's written on the card, Nick.
3: He's set a oh. new a new record. Has he a speed record?
2: Doing what? Uh, he... Riding
3: a tricycle. No, <laughs> I didn't hear that, Shay. Riding, Speak up a bit. Riding, riding a, tra- a tricycle, tricycle, she says. No, uh, the only three in this is the uh, Audi A3 that he was driving. Oh,
2: very good. So there's Ooh. still three. He's still the magic number in this part.
3: Um. But this is an Audi A3 with a difference, because it's an all-electric one uh, with uh, 1,200 horsepower of power.
0: So it has got a big motor,
3: then.
2: Daniel Ab did race in German Formula 3 and the GP3 Series, of course. He
3: did, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has broken the record for driving backwards.
0: No. Yes. With an electric car, or any old car? In an
3: electric car. But on a, the record... On a Tuesday. The record is for any car. In Mannheim. Uh, he <laughs> went... The previous reverse driving world record was 178 kilometres an hour. And he wow. went to 210 kilometres an hour.
2: Well, the thing about an electric car with... If it doesn't have anything other than just a forward electric? and reverse gearbox... Well, no, but normally it's fast
0: going backwards
2: is it is going forwards whereas most well, cars that, you that have actually to
0: not strictly true john because it will depend on what the uh, passive uh, and the uh, what the passive advance of the motor is but it should be the same mm. no it depends on the motor for example the race motors we use would not be as fast going backwards
2: i would presume it takes a lot <laughs> less messing around to make an electric car go fast backwards than Messing around with your gearbox to give you five uh, it reverse gears—it
0: takes significantly less. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, if it, you could actually just just change the polarity and take the small hit. Ah, fair
2: yeah. point. Well made, nicely presented from our electric motor correspondent there. Uh,
3: so this uh, special uh, Schaeffler four e performance Audi A3 Schaeffler uh, has four um, Formula E engines in it. Four. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, two batteries, each yes. of which are 64 kilowatts. Okay. There we go. I thought were obsessed with that. That
2: was 1200 horsepower, though. Yes.
3: 880
0: kilowatts. Or 880 300, 300 horsepower per in wheel motor. It's not much.
2: Now. in... So. This. Right. So. This 1200 horsepower A3 out-accelerated a Lamborghini Huracan and a Porsche 911 GT2 RS in a drag race. Yes, forwards.
3: They were going forwards. It was going backwards.
0: No way. Yes. Well, there's no. There's, again, it's not the only difficulty in that is keeping the car going straight. It's still got 1200 horsepower. It's got a wheel. It's got a motor in each wheel. So which direction it's going, weight transfer don't really matter. The only difficult bit is having the steering wheels at the back and looking over your shoulder if you aren't using a big mirror or TV yeah, screen.
3: And getting your head around the fact that you're steering yeah. with your rear wheels.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, been it. whiplash. But you are. If you're if you're doing a drag race, it's only, it should be only very very small corrections. Whereas it's not like trying to do a lap around Silverstone quicker, is it? No. But think about
4: it, being pushed back into the seat when you're accelerating and being pushed forward when you're going that quickly.
2: Mm. And also, of course, if you've ever driven anything that steers from the back, like a forklift truck, you don't have to put a lot of steering into it for it to turn a lot. So Mm you turn in the wrong way, you've got a crick in your neck from looking over your shoulder, and any tiny little movements on the steering wheel is going to mean disaster.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But it's still. But therefore, we've actually answered the problem. Therefore, the next car or next vehicle to attempt to be the fastest going backwards should be a forklift truck. (laughs) Very good,
2: because then it would have the steering wheels in the right side. Easy, yeah. That's your answer, boys. Dear Lansing, yes.
3: (laughs) I bet Daniel Ab has driven a few forklift trucks in his time as well.
2: See now, that's the sort of land speed record I can get behind. Reverse forklift truck driving.
0: I think we. Should, I think. We need, I think you should become the uh, motorsport reverse reverse forklift truck driving championship.
4: Entries accepted. Uh, it has wheels, and we could keep score.
2: <laughs> if you can time it, time it to keep it score, even though Nick doesn't think so.
4: We're
3: going to go to Utah and do it next summer.
2: Fair enough. After until after the wet season.
0: Yes, that's what I said. Next summer.
2: Yeah. Uh, ten minutes it's to nine. Before.
0: Yes. Let's, wait, when car electric cars accelerate really quickly, so you wouldn't need the massive amount of space.
2: Well, that's a fair point.
3: We'll do it at an airfield somewhere when it's next summer. Moving yeah. on, uh, yeah. although there are two rallies left, the World Rally Championship could be decided this weekend.
2: Nick, I, I, heard, I heard the exclamation of delight from Nick there.
0: I will let you and Shay talk about this.
3: <laughs> uh, Thierry Nerville has just a seven-point lead over Sébastien Ogier. But if he extends that to 31 points by the end of the weekend, he will be champion.
2: Uh, Where are we this weekend? Did you say Spain? Catalunya. Yeah, Catalunya.
3: I didn't say that, so you obviously knew that. And I just guessed. (laughs) And yet it wasn't MotoGP, so you could have been wrong. (laughs) Mm. Uh, It is the
2: RACC, isn't it? It's the Royal Automobile Club of Catalunya who also run the, co-run the 24 hours
3: of Barcelona with Krevennik, of course. Uh, Luke Tanak also has a chance of winning the title, but he's 21 points behind Nerville after uh, failing to finish Wales Rally GB with a broken radiator.
2: Uh, Is, was the 24 hours of Barcelona early or is the rally late? Because we have had them on the same weekends before. Er... has this moved?
3: This has only Seems gone a little this. bit yes. uh, later. But the first not one, it was massively. the same
4: time.
2: Yes, yeah, so, so the rally must have been very early. Because if you remember one year, Nick, we were there and there'd, there'd been a fatality on the, oh, God, the
4: Spanish
0: yeah, God. rally. Do you remember, remember we, that, had, yeah.
2: we had a few moments silence, if you remember?
0: No, no, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, it's a good point, John. But certainly, the, the twenty-four hours was, was within a week when it all, yeah, within a week either way, when it always is. So, but then again, don't forget they are fiddling about with the rally can. Because of course, the um, the Wales rally was for a long time the last rally, and now it's what three from the end. So they've faffed around with the order. So it wouldn't surprise me if that has moved later.
3: Moving on, uh, Kimmy Raikkonen. Yes, last time Kimi Raikkonen won a Grand Prix. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
3: Do you know where this is going?
0: No. No, it could go anywhere.
3: Mark Marquez was Moto2 champion.
0: Ah. (laughs) Wow. Uh,
3: This weekend, he's become MotoGP champion for the fifth time. Let's hear what he had to say.
5: To be always the the guy that everybody want to beat, that, for example, in some race, uh, I finish third or out of the podium, but even third, why? Why you finish third? I mean... uh, it's something that uh, this kind of pressure is uh, the, the most difficult to 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 adjust or to or to control because uh, you know you feel the pressure from the from the fans, uh, from the especially from the from the press, from the journalists, and and yeah, uh, I know that each weekend is like uh, I need to, to fight for the victory because if not the people will ask what's going on, So, but it's a, it's a good way also to understand that uh, we are there and we have the level. You know that uh, I like to have the pressure. When I have the pressure, I, I work in a better way. So when I, have a, when I feel the pressure, it uh, looks like, I don't know why, but I have a extra motivation and a extra concentration. I mean, and this is uh, something that, uh, that I like it. But of course, sometimes in, uh, in home GP or something like this, you try to forget, uh, and the best way to to forget this pressure is riding the bike. I mean, and uh, just trust in your uh, in your instinct and trust in your talent, and just uh, keep uh, riding and uh, just try to, to find this uh, flowing flowing mode.
2: Uh, Mark Marquez, that, uh, the world champion at the weekend and uh, a little bit more uh, news uh, from the two wheel side of things and it sounds like it's been good news for Jorge Lorenzo, successful surgery uh, on his left scafolunate ligament Nick.
0: Uh, yes, he's he's had a wrist injury, um, and they, which meant that uh, Alvaro Bautista is going to be stepping in for him next this weekend. Sorry, in uh, Philip Island, which has oh, obviously violence. made Declan massively chuffed. Um, also, um, Mark Marquez dislocated his shoulder, celebrating his world championship win. Did he? Um, yeah, but I think he's got a bit like the same problem I've got. as it pops in and pops out really easily? Because there's no question of not making the. Uh, We're still
2: talking anyway. about your uh, still talking about your shoulder here, are we?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually yeah, that one's <laughs> I'm stop oh, it, John. Um yeah, so he's but uh, one thing I would say about the the Motor GP Championship this year is Mark Marquez has won because he has been by far and away the best rider over the course of the year yeah. and deserves it. But there is a an interesting fact, so I look at the point. Valentino Rossi, who is riding a dog of a bike and is thirty nine, is still in third. Which says so much about the competition that Marquez has faced. I'm not taking anything away from Marquez because he's been brilliant and he's been tactical and he's done a great job. He had one bad race, from my memory. But the rest of the field should hang their head in shame for not managing to mount a, a challenge to him.
3: Anything else of note at Buuram? Um No, not that I know of. <laughs> Excellent. We'll move on to British Superbikes. And Which is finished. Yes. So we're talking about the uh, 2019 Bennett's British Superbike Championship. Have
2: we got some calendar news? Uh,
3: no, we <laughs> did that three weeks ago. <laughs> right. Uh, ben Curry right. uh, is the latest signing. He will join Glenn Irwin at Kawasaki, making his BSB debut next season. Right. He's Australian. Yeah, okay, move on. Uh, and this year he raced in British Supersport, winning seven races uh, and getting 11 other podium finishes. Excellent. Ooh.
0: Where are we going? No oh, idea. Sounds
2: lovely, though. It, it just goes to show what a. Uh, uh, golden era—the 1980s were for TV theme tunes. That's the
3: 2004 <laughs> remix of Probably Oh, uh,
2: Really was it? Yes, but it it comes from that era. I was right.
0: How come back at the Circuit of Wales. That's gone.
3: The poor old Johnny Ray may not get to race a World Superbike on home oh, soil right, after all. Yes.
0: Oh, this is this is this is circuits named after countries failing to, to materialise, much to be all expected.
3: Manor Development, the company behind Northern Ireland's Lake Torrent circuit, went into receivership on Monday.
0: Mm, so that's not happening either now.
2: Apparently, the Grand Prix not in Northern Ireland anymore. It's going to be in Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah. very good. Sorry, um, no, it's quite it's quite sad actually because it, I think no, it would have been a good a good thing for northern Ireland to get a, a decent road circuit obviously because they're fantastic at racing on the roads but actually get a, a closed circuit would have been, been very good but it looks like another over project that has fallen foul of um e- even after some ground have been broken or it's cleaned up and uh, and sorted out
2: can i ask a, a difficult question has there been public money put into
0: this no don't right. think so
2: okay fine
0: yeah, you know, so not good news for Johnny Ray and it looks now like that um, World Super Bikes may well be going to oh, sorry staying at Donington they've, they've signed it. they're looking to sign a longer deal Okay. Um, and also out uh, of the World Super Bike news Tom Sykes has signed for BMW oh really yes one of the BMW. There's, no, there's no works teams officially so he's in one of the BMW teams I missed that when did that come out Nick uh, I yesterday. saw it on a very small byline yesterday
2: alright oh, so I would have had to been looking for it ok fine <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't feel quite so bad.
0: I think that's
3: that true now. of all uh, super bike news, isn't it?
2: Where were well, super bikes at the weekend? Were they racing at the weekend? No,
0: no, no. no. okay. Uh, uh, are they racing this weekend as well as most no It doesn't normally happen.
3: No, I think they've got another week off.
2: So that means I've got to stay up late or go to bed early and get up early to watch uh, Philip Island. Then
0: I'd get up You've early than stay up late. And then you got so you got either getting back, you get an hour back this weekend. That's true. And then you got Mexico at ten past, starting ten past seven UK time, so ten past eight in mainland Europe.
2: Really? On Sunday morning?
0: No, in the Grand Prix in the evening, Mexico.
2: Oh, okay. And so, all right. So, and
0: also, and... The, I mean, and... sorry, I'll get this quickly. <laughs> I know we're going, but to go to Mexico, have you seen that the race of champions is going to go into that area, that amphitheater area at the Mexico Don't circuit? Don't preempt things from the second hour, Nick. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't write it down. Don't mention that. I was just really impressed. I thought it was a really. I, I don't know much about the race day. I don't you've worked You think it's great, but I think. Let's, it's let's a talk brief- about it in funny. the next hour. All right, sorry.
2: Which comes <laughs> up after this jingle?
1: I've logged Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport.
2: Uh, so Nick's already preempted one of the stories. Mexico City. will be talking race of champions. Or. Oh. Rock, as they like to call it, Uh, heading uh, to the North American continent once again. We'll be talking about that in the second hour tonight. Let's have your thoughts on that at at Specutainment on Twitter. Uh, We'll also be having a little word with Cher, who's been tidying up all of the American news, putting it into order and uh, making sure that we can run through all of it in a nice neat and tidy way Uh, plus a bit more of Nick Damon but coming up next in our just after nine interview spot it's Johnny Moulin and that's coming up in the second half the first part of the second half of Midweek Motorsport series number 13 episode number 41 Midweek Motorsport on RS1 so last week, we were talking to uh, Richard Dean uh, from uh, United Autosports, ostensibly, uh, about Asian Le Mans series. And uh, we had a couple of his drivers on, uh, Paul de Resta and Phil Hansen. And it got me thinking that uh, in the first... Uh, 15-20 minutes or so of Midweek Motorsport's second hour. What we should try and do is get someone from Motorsport to talk about how things are going at the moment. Uh, Whether it's a hot topic uh, from the world of motorsport on two or four wheels, or just basically to do a bit of a catch-up. It struck me that we hadn't had Johnny Mollum on the Radio Show Limited network of channels for quite a while. So yesterday, I popped down to Johnny's place uh, just outside of Reading in the south of England. Lovely drive it was, in the Jeep Cherokee. And I was spotted by a couple of uh, Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective members as well. Thank you for the flash, the wave and the 4 ways hazard flashes, all of you. Um, Talking about, interestingly enough, the... Asian Le Mans series again uh, that will become self-evident when we get into this but first of all I asked Johnny what it was like now that he'd retired from professional racing still doing a bit of racing to mentor his, uh, his clients in Red River Sport and what were the main differences since he was behind the wheel to now effectively running a company
1: when you're a racing driver, you're very focused in on one one particular... It's quite intense, but you're just doing one job in particular, and that's to work with the team, work with the engineers, work on ways to get the car quicker when you're away from the track and apply that when you're at the track and then do the best job possible when you're in the car and for any sponsors out of it. And that's quite a single track mind, and it's quite, it's quite intense, but it's quite easy to be focused on one thing. There's not a, not a lot of multitasking going on. Now with Red River Sport, it feels like all I'm doing is multitasking, because obviously I've still got the uh, coaching and driving alongside some of my clients and the mentoring side of it. And uh, obviously on top of that, organising flights, hotels, visas. For, yeah. for China, the Asian Le Mans series, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. just it, It's just so much, it's like it's not hard, but it's just I'm juggling 10, 12 balls at any time.
2: All of a sudden, you're a travel agent as well now. Yes, I know a little bit about about that. You've mentioned the Asian Le Mans series. We had Richard Dean on last week uh, with Paul Resta and Phil Hansen. United Autosport committed four cars to the Asian Le Mans series. All of a sudden, that series seems to be coming of age. Still got a bit of work to do, I'm sure, but... It's a great place to go and fill up a winner, rather than tooling around just doing a bit of testing. You can actually go and do some meaningful racing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why you're seeing it happen. But more importantly, I think you're seeing and United Autosport in particular are very much moving themselves into a real power position within the ACO sanctioned championships. And Richard Dean, you know, is very aware of that. And I think the Asian Le Mans series for everybody now is seen not just as an opportunity to go and race at some great tracks, In Asia, which is, let's face it, a growing market for a lot of people, but also a way of very much ingratiating yourself Ah. with the ACO in terms of Le Mans and getting a Le Mans entry. And so, I think it's this year. It's looking like it's going to be super, super competitive. But certainly, the last couple of years, the Asian Le Mans series is probably actually a really good way to get that Le Mans ticket. Yeah, and uh, we're not going there with a view to winning that. One of the reasons we went into GT was I wanted uh, both uh, bon, Bonamy Grimes and Ivor Dunbar, who are going to be racing over there, to have a car that had uh, ABS brakes because I think going to a, a slightly different track, some of them are a little bit bumpy, a little bit go-karty, so it's going to be important for them to actually have that as a bit of a safety net for them in terms of safety in terms of avoiding incidents.
2: So that's GT3 then, there's still the opportunity to race a GT3 there, which of course isn't a, a Le Mans category, but it is an ACO category in
1: the Asian Le Mans series. Exactly and that was really appealing to us and on top of that Cyril obviously who's the series organiser over there very very keen to have us come to the championship anyway, but in particular keen with the GT class, because obviously that's a class, LMP3 seems to be taking care of itself, yeah. but P2 and GTE and GT3 obviously need as much support as they can get at the moment. And so I sat down with Cyril and frederic henri Birbo, who's one of the uh, ACO advisors to the ACO committee now, he used to be at Michelin, mm-hmm. used to be a head of global motorsports at Michelin, I know him from those days when I used to do work for Michelin, and we sat down, had a really good conversation, introduced them to Ivor and to Bonn, And uh, it kind of went from there and it literally was actually one of a mutual friend of ours, Graham Goodwin, who Mm. should take some credit for us going with TF Sport with Tom Ferrier's team, because Mm. I was literally, as you know, Bond was doing the Invitational Aston Martin race as well as the Michelin Le Mans Cup race Mm. at Le Mans this year. And I was sat or stood in front of a garage and Graham came out and uh, in the pit lane at Le Mans and we were having a chat and he said, what are you looking at doing? And I mentioned the Asian Le Mans series and he said, you should talk you should talk to Tom Ferrer. Do you know Tom Ferrer? And I said, of course I know Tom Ferrer. I've known him since he was about mm. 18. We used to instruct at Brands Hatch when I was one of the instructors there and he came along as a young kid. And I, and I thought about it. I thought, you know what? Because I had been watching and TF Sport had been doing really well and growing and I knew he ran a really sharp, good little operation. And uh, I turned around and looked up and I was stood in front of TF Sport's garage. <laughs> and I thought, right. And I walked around it's the back. side. <laughs> and I walk around the back and this is even more of a sign you know at Le Mans how often oh. you go trying to find someone and Never you can't there. find them I walked around the back you know how they have that little engineering <laughs> area and all the garages at the back. I walked around the back and there was sat Tom on mm-hmm. his phone um, probably playing Candy Crush or something I don't know <laughs> <No>. Fortnite <laughs> I'm only kidding I'm only kidding he was on, uh, and I just said to him hey, Tom I told, told him the situation I said I won't don't want to talk to you about it now obviously everyone's yeah, yeah. got a lot more. but I'll give you a phone call next week are you interested and that's how it started
2: Running Aston Martins yeah, GT3, well, yeah. and uh, I've, that's a car I've driven. And one thing I know about that car, even only with six or seven laps at Monte Blanco, is it's a car that instills confidence, uh, particularly for drivers who ha- don't have, like me, very much experience. I felt very comfortable getting into it. I felt comfortable pushing it to my limits, probably not the car limits. Um, that's important. That choice was important as well. Ferrari is what the guys have been used to. For the most part, before then, did you have to sell it particularly hard to get the guys to to jump across from a mid-engine car to a front-engine car, albeit a front-engine car with the the engine pushed quite a long way back?
1: Not not at all, actually, because strangely enough, um, Bon won his class in the GT4 Aston Martin at Le Mans, as you know, because you mm-hmm. were commentating on it. Literally. Won it by 0.18 seconds or 3.8 seconds or something, but nevertheless won it. So won his class at Le Mans in the invitation race. So he was already well sold into the Aston Martin, and that was a GT4, but just loving the idea of it. We were intending to go with the Ferrari, because obviously Red River Sport own a Ferrari 488 GT3. And the Ferrari 488 is a fantastic vehicle, there's no doubt about it, but the lap time from a 488 comes from the cornering. And especially the medium and fast speed corners, because of the levels of downforce that it's got, and and how nimble it is in the fast corners. And you you don't. I spent the last two years gazing at the back of uh, the rears of Aston Martins and Mercedes going you know, 10, 15 kilometres an hour quicker than us in a straight line. And on its own, the 488 is, is quick. There's no two ways about it. In quick. terms of
2: getting a clear lap time or a, or a, a qualifying yeah, lap?
1: Absolutely. But what you have to do with the Ferrari is, as a professional driver, you need to qualify at the front and then get a gap and go. Mm-hmm. If you get sucked into a, f- a fight where you're following people through corners, they're killing your ability to corner, mm-hmm. so you can't, do, you can't gain your advantage there. On the straight, they pull three, four, five car lengths, so you can't do them on the brakes unless it's a crazy outbraking manoeuvre, especially if the guy in front knows what he's doing. So if you then translate that to a gentleman driver, like Bonner either, that makes it even harder because no matter how good they are they're always going to be that little bit off in the faster corners, Mm -hmm. maximising that level of downforce grip that they've got that's always going to be their Achilles heel So when you put them into a car like the Aston, which is a little bit more user-friendly, and it's all about Ving off the corners, getting Mm -hmm. it stopped, getting it turned, getting early to throttle, and using that power, using that straight-line speed, the gap between a gentleman driver and a professional driver narrows significantly in a car like the Aston to what it did in the 488, and I think... We knew, and the, the other big advantage is albeit it's at the very end of its life you 're getting into a car that's seven eight, nine years, whatever it is of of developed it's it's and and t f sport you know they have a setup for every single track you go to <laughs> it's like it, it literally is a turnkey turnkey race car, so it's been fantastic we've tested it for two days, and um both of the Ivor and born absolutely loved it
2: well I, I i'll I'll go with that because even in my short time in the car i got within i think 1.2, 1.3 seconds of Johnny Adams time. And, you know, that's not me. That's yeah. that's how user-friendly the car is. Yeah. In, in terms of making these decisions for your clients, it's a business decision for Red River Sport. It has to be a, a career-based decision, at least a, um, in terms of the de- developmental decision for the guys that are with you. Nobody's suggesting, and I'm sure neither either or would think that they're going to get rung up by Aston Martin or Ferrari to be a works driver, but they have got a career path in mind. What are you taking into account and where's the decision-making process when you, say, choose Asian Le Mans series rather than anywhere else? They could be going racing a GT3
1: car, and let's be honest, there's plenty of places to do that. Well, I would actually disagree with your first statement there. It's not a business decision at all for Red River Sport. Every decision I'm taking, opposed to maybe other people, is that I'm looking at what's good for Bon and what's good for Ivor and our other clients in, in Red River Sport that we're bringing in. And the more clients I have, the more I can give an economy of scale so I can put Bon and Ivor together at Le Mans, for example, and that saves them you know, money because ultimately it's important to... I, my adage is, you know, maximise the value for money and mm-hmm. optimise the experience. And that's our that's our motto. At and Red is that
2: River. what Bon and Ivor are looking for, to get into the big race, into the 24 hours at Le Mans and, and you're building them in a sensible structured, developmental way, as I said, to get towards that.
1: Yeah, you need a goal, and we've made Le Mans 24 our goal, but that's not the end game. You know, so basically, that's a goal that we're working towards, whether it'll happen next year or the year after, I've no doubt that at some point both Bon and Ivor will race in the 24 hours of Le Mans, and that will be an amazingly uh, exciting time for me in particular, especially with Bon. I mean, Ivor and I have been together for 10-15 years with me doing the odd coaching session with him, even when I was in the, the sort of Midst of my my main pro career, but with Bon, I've taken him. I literally was with him on his first ever track day. So when I see Bon go to Le Mans and race at Le Mans in the main event, that's going to be quite an emotional experience for me in a way, because in some ways that will be even bigger achievement than any of the stuff that I that I did. But uh, we've used that as as our goal because you need to have something to aim at in the distance. But that's not to say that we don't want to do other stuff. I mean. Bon and Ivor have both been bitten by this bug massively. Bonn is obviously quite a recent uh, addition to the motorsport sort of... Uh Petrolhead Society and he's absolutely loving it and so for him obviously Le Mans is a, go- a goal but he also wants to do Bathurst he wants to go to Daytona he wants to do Sebring he wants to do all these races so all I'm doing is coordinating just likes me commentating it. on him really that's the thing that's exactly right <laughs> he loves it when you mention his name like when we're in Le Mans and I came in and we did some radio commentary <laughs> together and you mentioned him winning he was like bouncing up and down he loved that so so it's it's all about the the building something for them in a cohesive way and I can genuinely sit here hand on heart and say Everything that Red River does is completely transparent. So, Mm -hmm. for example, we're not a team, we're an agency. So I will negotiate the deal for them with a team. I will then get them the best deal I possibly can. That team will then invoice Red River Sport. I will look at that make sure that invoice correlates with what we've agreed and there's Mm -hmm. nothing on there that shouldn't be on there. I will then send that invoice to the client. Mm -hmm. He can then see that Mm -hmm. for himself, see if he's happy with it. I'll obviously Mm -hmm. say I think it's okay, but he'll see if there's any problems with it. I will then bill him from Red River exactly the same amount as uh, that invoice was from whatever team we're with, FF, Nielsen, Mm. whoever it may be, TF Sport. And then... Um, he sees as complete transparency. There's no loading going on because there's too much loading going on in motorsport. And then we get paid, Red River get paid, where they make their money. is a management fee, a flat management fee, right. which is obviously, again, completely transparent and all the clients know exactly what they're getting. Oh, yeah. Now, we more than save for the clients the cost of that management fee just in the negotiating of the deal alone, let alone all the other stuff that goes with it. But the big thing also to remember is that obviously when I'm working with people like Bon or Iver or whatever, there is also a real a real need for me to make sure that I'm doing what's right for them I don't need to say right I want you guys to race in a GTE car in the European Le Mans series and then go to Le Mans because that's what's good for me and I want to drive with you I don't need to do that I do drive with Bonn I do drive with Ivor mostly because that's fun for them and that's something that helps me be able to coach them because I'm very much coaching them but there are other situations for example with Charlie Hollings that we use a lot where I'll bring in a client and I'll put Charlie with that client Mm -hmm. because I can't drive with all the clients at Mm -hmm. all. And that's not my intention. My intention is for this agency to be a standalone event. But the best part of it is that we always have the interests of the client in terms of what's best for them and their career progression, you know, rather than Mm – because Bon is like holding back a a racehorse. He wants to go in everything, LMP2, you know, you name it. And and I think maybe we can get there, but I'm making sure that it's small steps. Whereas some drivers – because what I'm doing isn't rocket science. A lot of drivers nowadays are affiliating themselves with a gentleman driver as a way like we would have done in the old days of having a sponsor. Yeah. And But then I always, always feel there's a little bit of selfishness there because they're trying to guide that gentleman down the path that really they want to go, rather yes. than what's necessarily best for that particular gentleman driver.
2: You mentioned prototype racing there. The two major clients that we've seen you uh, develop down through the years are both in GT racing. That's where they are at the moment. Um However... There are people out there who want to go the bigger downforce route, LMP2, possibly even DP racing, DPI racing. Uh, in in the States, there's an opportunity there as well. Some big changes going on in the world of prototype racing. How do you see that playing out from your side of things for the interested gentleman driver, the wealthy gentleman driver, let's be honest, people with disposable income? How does hypercar concept fit in to where you could see a potential client? Is it something you could place someone in? Where, where should the ACO in particular for Le on, and the WEC, which it will filter down into, how should that be being looked at at the moment? Because we've got a private EP1 yeah. category at the moment, which is actually done rather well. Yeah. We've got a pretty healthy P2 category, which is actually doing rather well. Have we got, is, is this a time of, of great opportunity? Is it a time of, to
1: exercise great caution? It's a, it's a time of great opportunity. But, I mean, both of those categories you've just mentioned aren't really aimed at the kind of clients I'll have. You're not going to have a privateer LMP1. You know, obviously you've got private LMP1, but you've got like Lotterer, Bruno Senna, you know, people like that, they're professional racing drivers. But one of the reasons I started this Red River Sport company or agency was because I've seen over the last five, six, seven, eight years this this sort of filling the void from... Companies like Blankpan or the ACO, whatever, even International GT Open, changing the class structure, changing the way the driver ranking system is worked, changing the way that it encourages the amateur gentleman, true gentleman Mm. driver into a position where he can be successful in amongst the, 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 other, the other drivers out there in terms of on, on the biggest stages like Le Mans 24 yeah. hours or whatever it may be and that's not giving them something to compete for absolutely you know making sure that there has to be a bronze driver in the car or a silver driver mm. in the car so that when they're out there racing they're going up against a bronze it's not the old days where a Tracy Crone was out there and he might be up against three pros yeah. you know and so when he's in the car he's going up against a pro he hasn't yeah. got a, a, hope, a hope in hell of, of, of being successful but that's changed and that whole class structure that's now been in place for years in all the ACO sanction championship and also in IMSA and all the rest of it they're now beginning to look more and more at having maybe a privateer LMP you know an AM LMP2 AM or mm. something like that you hear the the rumors you hear that and I think that the reason for that is is that people are recognizing the championship series organizers are recognizing that manufacturers come and go and manufacturers more and more now are not in a position to make Uh, decisions uh, other than by committee and most of their hands are tied behind their back Uh, whereas the the rich individuals can literally be the person to make the decision and they're trying to get those guys into motorsport and that's where Red River Sport comes in managing those people's expectations and making sure they follow the right path and the more opportunities that are out there with all these different championships that are coming through, the better because we can place as an agency a driver in any way you want to go
2: and as the pendulum swings to making those drivers do more of the work have to qualify the car have to start the race and things like that that gives them uh, a greater input into the outcome of the race and as far as driver rankings is concerned you and I have had this chat offline many times you you were a platinum or a gold driver for pretty much all of your uh, driving career because you were a pro Uh, you worked very hard to finance your drives, to get your drives, to get yourself into a situation. I never once heard you complain about you being graded as high up as you were. And I have heard you say that there's more people, more pro drivers, earning money out of sports car racing since... The grading system than there ever was when you were coming through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But most of that's down to GT3 and GT4 now, and the fact that gentleman drivers are on the grids. When I started racing, you didn't often get gentleman drivers out there racing. You really didn't. Not at the, at the lower levels, maybe at club level or something like that. But you didn't get that happening at the highest levels. You didn't often see a driver on the on the grid at Le Mans or Imps or something like that. A true gentleman driver. Whereas now you see that a lot, and those dr- gentleman drivers tend to have a pro driver that they like that comes and drives with them and coaches them at the same time as them being out there racing that
2: couldn't have happened without the sporting regulations reflecting the platinum gold silver bronze and and
1: and highlighting those silver and bronze drivers well they that whole system was designed to encourage gentleman drivers into the sport and to bring money to bring money, to, to they were losing manufacturers. People were pulling the plug, pulling out. Whether it was Peugeot or Audi or whoever it was, yeah. two thousand and eight came. There's yeah. no, there's no coincidence that this all kind of started really kicking off around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, economic crash. A lot of manufacturers couldn't justify the expenditure anymore, were pulling the plug. Grids were dwindling, and people were saying, well, how can we increase that? And the best way is to encourage gentlemen drivers out there. So a lot of these guys were like, well, I'm not going to go out and race there and be made to look like an idiot by a pro Mm. driver. I'll own the team, or I'll own the car. But there's a limit to how many people want to do that. And how
2: long they want to do it
1: for. Exactly. We've all been there. Exactly. Whereas for, for the gentleman driver then, they created a situation where like, come out. Like, for example, this year you mentioned about qualifying. I've been racing in the British LMP3 Cup with uh, Bonamy Grimes, and the bronze driver has to qualify Mm -hmm. in both races, and the bronze driver has to start both races. So the whole thing. That's happening in IMSA next year in GTD in the IMSA
2: WeatherTech Sport Car Championship. Exactly,
1: and there's a reason that they've done that because that is encouraging the gentleman driver to say, This is about me, and it should be about me. And so Red River is all about the gentleman driver, and the championships, which. Five, ten years ago, they they wouldn't have been about the gentleman driver. In fact, I, I hear pro drivers complaining endlessly at Le Mans about gentleman drivers and how they shouldn't be out there and whatever. I think even the hardiest top platinum pro driver now accepts that there is an absolute need for the lifeblood of motorsport, which is, in my opinion, has gone full circle back to when the Bentley boys existed. Because the Bentley boys weren't pro drivers. No. The Bentley boys in the Rich 1930s aminist. were amateur drivers with the money to be fortunate enough to go and do what they were doing. And well, I let's think be honest,
2: there would be no Bentley motorsport without rich amateurs because W.O. thought the whole 24-hour race at Le Mans was an, a nonsense, didn't want to get involved in it until he went there and got caught up in the
1: enthusiasm exactly. of some of his customers. Exactly, and that's, and that all stemmed from gentleman drivers and for me, gentlemen drivers have become the lifeblood. Every series you go to, of course if you go and Look, at no disrespect to Britcar, it's a great championship, club championship, GT Cup, even the British LMP3 Cup. You're going to go there, you're going to see more gentleman drivers than anyone else. But now you go to Le Mans, you go to the IMSA races, you see a load of gentleman drivers out there. And let's face it, I always use the golf analogy. Gentleman drivers almost like when I first started racing it was almost like an amateur driver is a bit like a dirty word almost that was hmm. like someone that was you know f- slow and they shouldn't really be there should be doing their own thing in some championship where they didn't get in the way of the big boys and all mm. of that and and but that's not the case in my opinion because let's face it these gentleman drivers that we're talking about these amateur drivers if they were golfers they'd be playing off scratch yeah you know so yeah very good th- th- some of these top guys are literally within a second Of a top top time. I mean, look at what Simon Dolan did in his career. Uh, You know, on his day, he was literally a few tenths off Felipe Albuquerque. You Mm -hmm. know, so these guys are absolutely at the highest level themselves, and they're working towards that.
2: Let's drag you back to Red River Sport before we let you go. Um, You've done so much with your original two clients in a handful of years—three, four years. More people coming on a couple of years for 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 Bomb. how, what, what does the future hold for Red River Sport and, and how aware do you have to be of things like the changing regulations, of things like the potential of the, the hypercar concept?
1: Well, the beauty of Red River Sport, like I keep saying, and I'm banging on about it, I know and the listeners are probably going, oh, God, here he goes again, but it's an agency. Mm. It, so we can... So you have, have no affiliations? We have no affiliation with any team, any manufacturer, any car. So, any series? So that gives any series, that gives us full flexibility to move, so wherever is best for, the, for, for our clients, wherever is best for our Red River uh, club members, if you like that's, that's where we'll go. And uh, basically I'll head towards that and I'll make sure that I keep heading in the right direction all the time so that I can make sure that they're always going to be in the right place at the right time, whatever the regulations allow for.
2: Johnny, we wish you all the best. Phone's ringing. Obviously, that's people who want to join Red River Sport even now. We are going to still see you driving a wee bit, though, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I'm going to carry on driving. I love driving. I mean, I get a lot of hard... Uh, I get a lot, especially from bloody Graham Goodwin. <laughs> but uh, I get a lot of grief for people saying, oh, I thought you retired. But in my opinion, um, and Autosport actually did a really nice article about it and Gary Watkins wrote about it. But in my opinion, a pro career, a pro driver is someone that gets paid to race mm. by a team. And my pro career finished officially at Daytona in january 2017 so everything i do now i do for the good of the clients i love driving though i'm not like alan mcnish and people like that who said he loved the winning more than the actual driving you could send me out in a, in a car that's fun to drive and i could go around all day and so long as i know my own lap time and i've got a, a, a predicted lap time on the dash so i can try and beat my own everything. lap time yeah. i wouldn't care about anyone else out there i don't care about anything other than just the sheer You, the joy. machinery,
2: and the challenge of the circus.
1: The sheer joy of driving. I still get I like a that. huge kick out of it. And for me, this has gone full circle. I can't say how happy I am at the moment that everything seems to be going well because it's taken me back to falling in love again with the actual driving side. Because yes. when you're at, at, you know, in a top factory GT team or LMP1 team or whatever it is, the pressure on you to perform is such that a lot of that fun bleeds out of the mm. sport. And all of us got into this. Every driver out there got into this because they loved it first and mm-hmm. foremost. They loved the thrill of just driving. And I think I've fallen back in love again with actual, the actual driving side of it. And so having the opportunity to drive alongside people like Bon and Ivor as their coach stroke mm-hmm. mentor rather than in, as their sort of pro in a pro-am environment has reignited my whole joy of, of motorsport all over again. People, including Jesse, tweeting in at
2: Specutainment. I'm listening to Johnny Mollum and at Red River Sport right now. I want to know more. This is like a kind of motorsport broker. No, it is a motorsport broker. That's exactly what it is, a motorsport agency driven to succeed. Absolutely right. Smashing to spend some time with Johnny uh, yesterday and to be honest there could have been about three times as much as that by the time that we'd had a chat before we turned the recorder on and then we went for a very pleasant lunch thank you mr morlam uh, for that a bit of an early birthday present and put the world to rights i i, I kind of sort of think it would have been nice to have left left the recorder running but um Probably not as well in some respects. Thank you, Johnny. We'll have you on again soon. Um, That was our nine o'clock interview for this week's Midweek Motorsport. We'll have another one at the same time next week.
0: And now, Arriba Arriba, Andre, Andre, are we moving on?
3: Race of Champions. Yes.
0: Apparently, I've heard that by the game somewhere else. Is that right? Of course, the champignon.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, can you do
0: that again with more feeling, Nick,
2: and, and more incredulity?
0: What? They're moving the Razor of Champions again? But where could it go, Tim? Where? Where would it be a great place? Well,
3: it's never been to Latin America. Did you know that?
0: No, I had no idea.
3: Well, that's not quite true. It was in Miami. That's not yeah. really Latin America. Shit,
2: our
0: Miami
3: yes.
2: correspondent.
4: Yes, yes, we are. We are North Cuba. <laughs>
3: <laughs> to be fair, she did have to watch the uh, Formula 1 Grand Prix on Unifision. On Yes.
2: Indeed so. And it so has wh- been
3: to the Caribbean as well.
2: It has. Not Latin America either. Uh, so wh- where is it going and uh, when will it happen?
0: Yeah, it's Tell me where, I've no idea.
3: It's going to the Foro Sol. Is it? Yes, which yes. is uh, obviously part of the Adromo Hermanos Rodriguez. Obviously,
0: yes. Well, which bit would that be of the track, G- uh, uh, Tim? It's the baseball <laughs> stadium. Jim? No. Yes. What? Who would have thought they put it there?
3: Uh, we're talking about Mexico City. Are so
0: this is actually Mexico. this
2: is quite unusual because it's the first time uh, since since we went to Jamaica that it'll no, be outside it willingly. Jamaica. No, she <laughs> went of her own accord. Um, Wasn't it the Barbados? Barbados, it was. Yes, actually. Thank you, She. <laughs> um,
4: really confused there for a second.
2: Properly, properly outdoors, not in. Uh, Not in a sports stadium. I suppose Raman Ganjala was partially outdoors, but it's gone back to its roots.
3: Didn't the German one have an open roof?
2: Barely. What I mean is it's not an enclosed stadium, as such.
3: The spectators would get wet if it rained.
2: Yes, they would. That's the point I was trying to make, Tim. Thank you for that. It doesn't have a roof over the spectator areas. And I presume that means we can't do it during the day either because it'll be way too hot. In January? Well, okay. No, nah, it'll be fine. Will it be raining, Shane, January in
3: Mexico City?
4: It shouldn't be. It's a dry season.
2: Okay, good.
4: January the
3: 19th
0: and 20th are the dates.
3: Which fits in perfectly to my
2: travel plans.
0: That's the week after... Um... Uh, Dubai in the week before
2: uh, 24. There you go. Rolex 24 the week after. Guess which way I'm coming back from Dubai then.
3: Are you going via Mexico City?
2: Yes, I might well be. A <laughs> Yep. I'm going to get me maracas sorted out. Oh,
0: that, did that pay us in for that?
3: Mm. <laughs> uh, we're delighted to be bringing the race of champions to Mexico City, said Frederick Jonsson
2: Ever since he was a young
3: boy... Oh boy I got the impression ten. that he was wanting to say ever since he was a young boy I <laughs> wanted to take the Razor <laughs> champions to Mexico City. He doesn't say that, though. Right. He does say, the Foro Sol is an incredible arena to watch motorsport and it's no surprise that it's already reached iconic status with fans of Formula One.
2: Uh, and WAC. It, it is very and good. And Car. Uh, yes. And Champ Car. It is very good, but I can't help thinking... That it's going to be... Well, I suppose they could use little bits either side of it. It is quite tight, though, to put the twin track in.
3: It's perfect, says Frederick.
2: Ah, right. I'm <laughs> wrong then. Sorry, Frederick. Uh,
3: the greats of motorsport will show off all their skills in identical supercars on our purpose-built track.
2: Are they still going to have the crossover?
0: Doesn't say. doesn't well, seems so. It won't work otherwise with it.
2: Well, it is. it has become their signature.
0: signature. Hmm. <laughs>
3: Uh, the event will also welcome a number of Mexican drivers. who will compete in front of a home crowd.
0: In Mexico. So they've got Sergio. No, um,
2: no, are? no, not necessarily.
0: Okay.
2: Mm.
0: Huh. Berta Moreno? He's Brazilian. You mean, you mean Adrian <laughs> Fernandez. St- I, I was there. I knew some Champ car of that period. <laughs> Just got the wrong one. <laughs> who uh, else? Oh, the other one. What's his name? Gutierrez.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well,
2: but they might have a um, Rock Nations Cup Mexico type thing.
3: Yes. Although the Nations Cup's for the non-Mexicans, of course, isn't it?
2: No, but they'll have... (laughs) But they'll have a national. They'll have whatever they they call that thing on the Friday, where they have a knockout between all the Mexican drivers, all the local drivers, to go forward into the Nations Cup. So they'll have a bit of that as well. I I would presume. You're listening
3: to our VLN coverage on Saturday. Yes, you'll have heard us talking to Bradley Philpott, who uh, I loved that interview. Who took part in one of those? uh, He did national uh, race of champions things.
2: Yes, he did. Um, that was a very good interview, Tim. I thought you did very well, and you made me—he uh, and you made me laugh out loud when he was talking about having done the two-week Lanyard Jorman. Yes. Um And so he can ask uh, how to get to the railway station, where the cathedral is, <laughs> how many flights of stairs to my room. But what he can't say is the gearbox is making a funny grunting noise. That I think we've identified there a gap in the market. For motorsport-based language courses.
3: Yes. Just teach all English. Most of them speak English anyway. Uh, Shall we uh, look at some of the drivers who have signed up? Yes. Uh, Sebastian Fettel Sebastian Vettel is uh, at the top of the list. <laughs> right. Uh, he qualifies for being in the Race of Champions because he's won uh, which championship, Nick?
0: He's won the Race of Champions. He's won the Formula One, World, on the Champions. Formula One World Championship, yes. Really, really I he? it's a long time ago. All, all I remember him now for is making multiple mistakes and throwing a championship away. Uh,
3: also taking part, Tom Christensen. What's he won? He's
0: won Everything.
3: Le Mans. He has, yes. Uh, Ryan hunter Ray. IndyCar. Yeah. Helio Castro-Neves. IndyCar. Uh, Katze Indy 500. Solberg.
4: He never won IndyCar.
3: Vallying.
2: Patrick Solberg's world champion.
3: Yes. Lord RX. Joseph newgarten IndyCar champion. Juan Pablo Montoya. Kart. IndyCar champion. Kart, yeah. Not IndyCar, no, Kart. Uh, Timo Bernhardt.
2: Uh, WBC.
3: Yep. Rene Rast.
2: DTM.
4: DTM,
3: yeah. Yes. Uh, Kyle Busch. Randy Randy Racing. Kurt Busch. NASCAR. Lando Norris.
4: No,
2: but what championships? They didn't uh, both they win did. the championships. Three. No,
4: they did. They did. Kurt won in like 2004, I want to say. Right. Didn't he? won? He won it a long time ago. Uh, and Kyle won You're it right. in
2: Right. 2004 NASCAR Nextel Cup champion. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh yes, three. F- F3 European champion.
3: Uh, Jensen Button.
2: World champion Formula One.
3: Yeah, Felipe Massa.
2: World champion for just a few moments. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, did he, he won
0: Italian Formula Ren Formula Three in two thousand.
3: Yes, he did win <coughs> Italian Formula Three thousand, beating Gianmaria uh, Bruni to that title. Really? He, uh, Pascal Veyrine. DTM. Uh, uh, yes.
2: Champion oh. of be on his head.
3: Alexander Rossi. Indy five hundred.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mick Doohan. Lots and lots of motorcycle racing, but yeah. his ankle still doesn't work. Jimmy Johnson. Seven-time
3: Cup
4: champion.
0: Yeah. yeah, Tony IndyCar? Indy car? Uh,
4: 2004.
3: Oh, well, Sebastian Loeb. A million
2: That's times it. everything.
0: <laughs> I think he's won every rally he's entered, and he only isn't winning now because he can't be bothered to enter. Yes. Uh, James Hinchcliffe.
4: Indy Lights? Ooh.
0: Did. USF 2000. <laughs> Alex Buncombe, Blank Pan
3: and eee. I think British F, uh, British GT as well, didn't he? Did
2: Buncombe, did Buncombe win Blankpan? He did in twenty fifteen. Well nice done! Did. I had to look that up. Good call, Nick.
3: Marcus Gronholm Rally. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Jorge
0: Lorenzo. Motorcycling, I'll be. I wonder well. He might. I suppose he'll be mended by then. Sebastian Ogier, more rallying. Rallying. Andy Prio. Um, multiple uh, world touring, world world touring, touring car, course.
2: European touring car
3: champion. Yeah. Alan Frost. Just. I've never a heard of him. Legend. Yeah, Valentino Rossi.
2: Ledge. Who?
3: <laughs> Carlos Goat. Sainz.
2: Ledge. Which one? Senior. Senior. Rallying. Um, do you know what? I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you.
0: I a senior's championship as well. Sorry. Possibly. leading like a, a veterans championship as well as just the well, ordinary one. Well,
2: I've got to tell you that is a pretty strong lineup.
3: Uh I found uh, another actual Mexican. R- who? On. Mimo Rojas.
2: Yes. Oh, uh, Memo. Memo. What's Never. he won?
3: What's he champion? Grand Am,
4: of? four times.
3: Grand yeah. yes. And David, <laughs> <laughs> and David Coulthard nothing. He's won nothing. He's good at spinning a car he, around at the won top it, of a half-mile building 1600 yes. championship in the 80s. Right. Big.
2: Wow. Yeah.
3: He's also the reigning Race of Champions champion.
2: Champion. Of champions.
3: So, there we go. That was uh, Race of Champions. Does anyone else have anything to say about Race of Champions?
2: Can't wait to go back and do it again. I missed not doing it last year. <laughs> this year.
3: I've yeah. just noticed a note from Shea saying, Rojas.
2: Yes. <laughs> uh, so but is that it, it for Nick?
0: Yeah, we can say goodbye to Nick unless he watched the NASCAR. No, I didn't watch the NASCAR. I'm going to go and enjoy my, my evening in Salford Key. Oh yes,
2: why are you in Salford? You seem to be doing... Uh, Nick, I am. Nick is in tremendously good quality tonight on his IHG Rewards Club free Wi-Fi, <laughs> I know,
0: uh, it? which
2: is fantastic, yeah. and uh, you seem to be doing a, a city tour of the Northern oh, Powerhouse yeah. at the moment. Where oh, are you? No, where well, I tonight? went
0: from London, Coventry, now I'm in uh, Manchester. It's uh, it's all. I'm doing a big presentation to lots of people tomorrow about uh, what, what I do in my day job for Epson, and then I'm going to Edinburgh in a couple of Weeks and Dublin a couple weeks after that. Oh, excellent. And possibly oh. Stockholm next week for something else entirely, but that's not confirmed yet.
2: Stockholm. Ah! Right, see you later then, Nick. Have a good evening. Hope you find something still open.
0: I hope so. <laughs> uh,
2: that's Nick Damon. You're listening to Midweek Motorsports. We've got 20 minutes or so of the short to go. Let's head to some uh, US news. Shall we start with NASCAR then? Share Adam with us and everything nice and tidy here. Where were they at the weekend?
4: Uh it's just gone
2: out of my head. Kansas, Kansas, they in Kansas. They're, they're not, not in Kansas, Kansas anymore. anymore though. That's what I was going to. That's what I was going to. And you ruined that. Why don't we should do more rehearsal? We should. Uh they were in Kansas at the weekend and
3: let's do it again. We'll cut that out in the, uh, in the podcast.
2: So share, uh everything nice and neat and tidy. Let's start with NASCAR. Where were they this weekend?
4: Well, John, they were in Kansas.
2: But they've moved from there, so they're not in Canva- not Kansas anymore. <laughs> It'll all be all right in post. Who did we lose this week?
4: Uh, we lost Alex Bowman, the showman, from uh, car number 88. It was no-go for Mr. Blaney, who's been touring Miami today, on a side note. Kyle Larson couldn't get another driver to pull over to make his way into the next round mm. of the championship, so the 42 is out. And Brad Keselowski, very disappointed that he is knocked out already. So there will be no two for the two this year. And uh,
3: We still have two Bushes, though.
2: Yes, we do. Two bushes, two bushes in the hand is worth a bird in the... No, that doesn't work, does it?
4: <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It's uh, Kyle Bush who comes in with the most points to begin the next round, which is three more races and four remaining in the season, but we'll get there in a minute. So Kyle Bush has most points. He leads Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., who almost didn't make it to the next round. There was a bit of a scare for him earlier on in the race. Uh, Chase Elliott, the race winner from Kansas. So that's two
2: races for Chase Elliott.
4: In the chase.
2: Yeah, two for Chase in the chase.
4: Three on the year. So it's Hmm. been very impressive for Elliott Jr. Um, Clint Boyer made it through. Joey Logano for Mr. Penske. So keeping the dream alive. And uh, Eric Almirola, with his win at Talladega, made it through as well.
2: Okay, um, where are we? we Martinsville this weekend. Uh, yeah, then, last short track yeah, of the year. I do like the like short track, I do. Uh, when do we cut to the final four then?
4: So Martinsville this weekend, yep. Texas next weekend. And then Phoenix, the weekend after that, which I've just noticed I misspelled in the docs, so sorry about that. Um, then at the Phoenix round, that is when it gets serious. That's the cutoff race where it goes from eight to four. And we take the final four down to Homestead, Miami Speedway for the final race weekend when uh, the code of 24 hours is on the same weekend. So we'll be a little bit preoccupied, but it will be on to the championship at that race. And really the entire season comes down to Homestead yet again. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, let Sorry, go on, Tim.
3: I was going to say, Chase Elliott, if he goes on to win the title, will become uh, part of only the fourth father-son combination to win.
2: That's good. Nice start. Wow. Who were the other three?
3: Shea? Uh,
4: Earnhardt? Nope. No, nope. Junior never won the title. Um, good point. I, I don't know.
3: Ned and Dale Jarrett? Well, that's going back a bit,
2: right?
4: Yeah.
3: That uh, was um, 61... Uh, And 99, or 65 and 99. Right. Uh, Lee and Richard Petty.
4: Oh, of course. Right, yes,
2: of course. Um, Let's move to, you mentioned Homestead there being the series finale and where the title will be fought over for the Cup Series in NASCAR. Steer in Florida and Sebring. The, Michelin, IMSA, the IMSA Michelin Encore, chance for teams who haven't yet raced on the Michelin tyres, so basically everything except uh, GT uh, Le Mans and indeed the top uh, two classes of prototypes. So everything below WeatherTech, who haven't raced so far, uh, are invited. And entries starting to firm up, particularly in the other prototype class, share LMP3.
4: Yeah, we've had a couple of emails drop in this week that have been teams more formally announcing their intent to run the Encore. Uh, I know I've gotten one from P1 Motorsports, from Performance Tech. They've really come forward to say, hey, we're interested. We're going to be there. Uh, The same has also come from Core Motorsport, the team that very nearly won the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge this year. Their drivers, Kyle Marcelli and Nate Stacey, collecting three wins on the year. GMG Racing, another one of those organizations that has a GT4 car interested in coming to run over in our series. And, of course, Rum Castle Racing, who you interviewed when you did your grid walk, uh, the Volkswagen TCR cars. So they're going to be there as well. Let that go,
2: Cher. Let that go. You busy doing other stuff? in your box. No, you're not putting (laughs) me back in the box. Nobody puts Johnny in the box.
4: (laughs) Nobody puts Johnny in the box. I did that, that...
2: Cat main was fantastic by the way. I love the fact that the black cat's sitting on that postage box and you can see the fact that it's getting moved around by the one inside.
4: Exactly. It's it, was, it was too perfect. I tried to get my cats to do that and film it, but they just weren't cooperating. But it's nice to see that so many people are starting to come forward. And announce that they will be at the encore and remember it's not that far away so we should be getting a provisional entry list here within the next couple of weeks
1: mm.
2: I'm, I'm really really looking forward to it um, i think it's going to be a great event plus we've got some mx5 races as well a couple of mx5 races 30 cars <laughs> at least in that other imsa news this time last week, the press release was just about to go out. It wasn't our news to break, so uh, we abided by the uh, embargoes uh, that were, uh, although obviously we'd known about it for a while, um, that were about to go out to talk about gradient racing. But it's been a bit of an uphill struggle for them, but apparently they're over the top now and it's downhill all the way from here.
4: Yeah, nothing but race victories to come for that team. Uh, It's Andres, uh, Mark, and Dex. Mark Miller, Dex Brennan, our correspondent on the show. It's effectively what used to be CJ Wilson Racing just moving to Texas. So it's going to be a different base, different people, but the same crew. So the same core that they've worked over the last, I don't know, 10 years to develop these people and form a solid racing foundation it's going to be a racing team. They're looking at running an IMSA. We could not be happier to help them in our paddock. And uh, Mark Miller and Till Bechtelsheimer, who ran a couple of races, three races this year, uh, Watkins Glen, Sebring and Daytona. be really happy to have them back in the paddock as well. Um,
2: we broke the news, or at least the news was breaking last week, about Lexus moving to AIM um, Sullivan. No news officially on the drivers but some hints beginning to surface there
4: yeah i was listening to uh one of the marshall pro podcasts this morning where he was doing an interview with uh jimmy vassar hinted very strongly at the fact that one of the drivers who has been a part of the program for several years is somebody who they basically have set to go just need to dot the i's and cross the t's but it's pretty much uh, solid that that'll be Jack Hawksworth. He's the only consistent part of that yeah. program, so it'd be good to see Jack back. Considering that he has gotten so many pole positions, he has proven the car's strength over the years. He's he's one to hold on to for sure.
2: Uh, we talked to Richard Dean last week, and he was saying they won't be heading to the Rolex 24 at Daytona in LMP2 next year because of the change in regulations. We were wondering what that would do to other wild card entries or one-off entries if you will well we found out this week somebody who will be going there
4: yeah in fine style too because elton julian likes to put on a bit of a production when he announces news so he did one great videos that he's known for where he said that they will be running in the rolex 24 hours of daytona in the lmp2 class henrik Hedman, ben hanley and nicola lapierre so the guy who won the sebring 12 hours last year driving with esm going to be going for a Rolex watch again this mm. year. And it's really cool to see, I hate to say it, but the first of our irregular teams coming in.
2: Yeah, I, 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 Scott Atherton telling us that, you know, they had spoken to the current LMP2 teams and they feel they're quite happy to go that way because it does give them a chance of a watch. And, and let's be honest, one of the great draws of Daytona, other than it being been a fabulous facility, the history... Everybody wants one of those Rolex Daytona chronographs, Cosmographs as they're called actually.
4: Yeah. And Think about it. You know, this year at the Rolex, we did have the category where the core autosport guys went home with new watches. Uh, John Bennett, Colin Brown, Romain Dumas uh, were the recipients of that this year. So that was really cool. But next year it's their own class. It's their own trophy. It's their own watch and it's points. It's a championship. So it makes it count even a little bit more When you're a team that can come in and play that spoiler, when you can maybe take some of those championship points away from some of the big teams and just show how good you are over them, it's something that they have to think about the rest of the year. Well, if I had won at Daytona, I would have 35 points instead of coming third, and I only have 30.
2: Um, Quick note on uh, the Virgin Australian supercars. Yeah. You've been catching up on the whole season uh, and coming into the weekend, which was the Gold Coast 600, I'm so annoyed that I can't pick it up on television here, although I was uh, quite uh, busy. Coming into the weekend, it was uh, Shane Van Gisbergen that was leading. It's all changed over the weekend and not all happening on the track, certainly not in race terms at least.
4: Well, it was a 33-point swing from Shane Van Gisbergen leading to Scotty McLaughlin's lead at the end of the weekend. Supposed to be a two-race show down at the Gold Coast. It was only one because the second race was red flagged due to really bad rain. And I'm talking hail and this sort of uh, weather that put Paul Dumbrell into the wall on his own when he was driving in slicks. Um, it was treacherous out there. Our very own tame Kiwi Earl Bamber managed to be the best of the co-drivers staying out there through the field. Leading the way for a little while, it looked pretty promising, but ultimately the race was called off because the time limit that they were given was quickly elapsing. They weren't going to be able to get it to half distance to award points, even under safety car conditions, so they had to call it. But the first race of the weekend was good enough. Chaz Mostert, what a beast. So he went out there for the pole shootout to begin with on Used tires when everybody else had new tires for the second race, and he still put the car fourth. They are so close in the competition out there. But Chaz cut his hair this weekend and got his first race win in a calendar year. It was just so cool to watch. And he and uh, Chaz Moffat did a great job. They both deserve that surfboard prize that they get.
2: Where are they heading to next?
4: Uh, They go to New Zealand. They are for the Auckland Super Sprint Is the next race, and that is... November 2nd through the 4th.
2: However, the Pertec Cup is done and dusted, at least as far as the champions are concerned.
4: And it's Lounsey again. So it was uh, Lounsey and steve Richards, getting another Pertec Cup. But it was Steve-O's last time as a co-driver, at least that he knows about right now, because, of course, Lounsey next year going to be the Enduro driver with Jamie Wincup Cup means that both Richards and... And Dumbrell are out of a ride, and we might find a situation where Shane Van Gisbergen has another different co-driver, the fourth different one in four years, because of the scheduling conflicts that are expected with uh, the Bathurst 12-hour and, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff going on with WEC – they're thinking that Matt Campbell and Earl Bamber both would be unavailable for that.
2: The um, did I see something as I was skimming through Twitter earlier on? Who's just signed up as a, a part owner in a in a team? The same that
4: thing? would be Jamie Wincup. I
2: thought it was he, Jamie Wincup.
4: Yeah, he bought a 15% stake in the Triple Eight Race Engineering, right. which is right now owned by Roland Dane, Tim Miles, Paul Dumbrell, who we were just speaking of, and Roland Dane's daughter. So Jamie's always said that he wanted to be a team owner, that he wasn't going to be one of those old guys driving around. He doesn't want to be a veteran driver, his words. So the time will come where he transitions to just being a team owner. This is the first step. Uh,
2: thank you, Sheree. Shit, Adam joining us on the line. Speak to you before uh, Shay right.
3: disappears, Oop, right. Oop. Um disappears. tell us a tram anecdote. A tram from race one. Uh,
4: I I don't know what you a tram, tram anecdote it ah. is. Ah. Tram on the track. Oh, oh, I did see that. No, there was a huge crash by uh, one of the Erebus cars with the second driver, and I think it was Will Brown at the time. Is that who it was, Tim? May Am I remembering well been, that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, and their tram driver was just on the uh, outside of the turn and sees this car go sliding into the concrete barrier and instead of continuing its speed, slowed the car down so that he and all the passengers could sit there and watch How to see funny. if anybody else was going to hit him.
2: How funny.
4: It was very heads-up driving by the tram driver. Uh,
2: and he's been uh, signed up by Bertie Clemengo for uh, next year. Thank you, Cher. <laughs> Share Adam, joining us uh, Live from Florida this evening. And uh, we'll finish off tonight with a quick look at another season finale. And that means we roll out Johnny Palmer. We're sending him to Portugal. Portugal. And uh, Portimao for the final of the European Le Mans series. G-Drive Racing uh, with a stranglehold on the team's classification LMP2 ahead of uh, Racing Engineering and Edex Board. As far as the drivers are concerned, it's Piazzatola and Rusinov ahead of John Eric Verne, then Nato, uh, Paul Petit, Norman Nato, Paul Petit, and Oli Pla, Memo Rojas, and Paul Loup Shatan all tied there, well, tied on points. At least, LMP3 RLR Motorsport. What a year it could be for the team from Bolton. Bolton, twinned with Le Mans, of course. They're ahead of 360 Racing, but barely 67 and a half points to 53 and a half points. And United Autosport still very much in with a shout going into the final round uh, with 52 and a half points. Then it's Euro International and Euro Inter Europol uh, on 46 and three quarters and 45. And of course, remember we had the short distance race earlier on in the season at Spa. As far as P3 drivers, it's uh, Job van Utert, John Ferrano and Rob Garafal That's the RLR drivers ahead of Ross Kaiser, Terence Woodward uh, in second. And then it's uh, Tony Wells, Garrett Grist and Matt Bell following up in third, and in GTE, in the team's Proton, 80 and a half points to 69 points from JMW Motorsport Spirit of Race on 67. And as far as the drivers, that'll be Gianluca Roda and Giorgio Roda Junior on 80 and a half, 10 points further back. Matteo Caroli, uh, Alex McDowell on 69, as is Liam Griffin and Miguel Molina 67 for Aaron Scott, Duncan Cameron, and Matthew Griffin, Matthew the Mat of the Griffin uh, that will be live this weekend uh, from Portia do we get uh, qualifying as well Tim I really we should do,
3: know this for both uh, ELMS and L- MLMC but uh, the thing to remember about Portimao Mao is unlike pretty much all of the rest of the ELMS LM- MLMC season they really need to change that get rid of Michelin find a different sponsor so it's easy to say that I
2: think it's just it's, just, it's not Michelin anymore though is it
3: Uh, It is, yes. Okay. Um, Both qualifying sessions are on Saturday afternoon and the uh, cup race is on Sunday morning, not Saturday afternoon as well.
2: Oh, really? So that's before the main race?
3: Yes, 8.45am we come on air with that.
2: Wow. Uh, And sound and vision for those sessions as well, one presumes. Yes. Excellent. Uh, So Johnny and Graham uh, will be out in... Portimao, should be quite nice at that time of the year. Um, yeah, John, I was, Johnny
3: is uh, looking forward to it so much. He's staying out there all week.
2: Well, yes and no. He's not staying on the Algarve, though. he's, no, going, he's, he's going north back up to Lizb- into the
3: mountains. He's
2: going back to Northern Ireland. He wanted me to fly him in and out of Lisburn, which mm. I, I thought makes him a long long drive down there, but, you know, there wants, it is.
3: He wants to see Lake Torrent before the uh, receivers put the padlocks on the gates.
2: And, and tarmac over it, or, or whatever it is. If
3: they were to tarmac over it, they would make it uh, a suitable racing circuit. <laughs> or a car park. Can we talk about touring cars? Uh, you can. Uh, because, uh, this is an Alfa Romeo story, Fabrizio Giovanardi has left their World Touring Car Cup uh, operation with immediate effect. Right. Um. He had been driving alongside Jenny Morbidelli, uh, but then Morbidelli uh, got dropped for being, uh, or for not scoring any points. Even though uh, Giovanardi also hadn't scored any points, I suspect that the car wasn't very good. Um, you think? Mm. Is that what you're getting from that? Jenny Morbidelli, <laughs> Rizzo Giovanardi uh, they kind of know what they're doing in a race car, don't they? you'd, you'd hope. Anyway, Morbidelli was replaced earlier in the season by Kevin Chacon, uh, who has already scored more points in the few races he's done than Giovanardi has all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they've decided to get rid of Giovanardi as well and replace him with uh, Luigi Ferrara, who really? uh, was third in this year's Italian TCR series. Uh,
2: right. Oh, well, should know what he's doing.
3: Yes. Uh, can I say congratulations Yes you can To Max Futrell Right Who has won the uh, Formula Renault Euro Cup
2: Is, Does that stay the same next year Or does that change
3: Yeah that's still the Formula Renault Euro Cup Okay next season. fine
2: That's one of the few Single seat series That haven't changed Yes Were you at Formula Ford Festival At the weekend by the way I
3: wasn't I was planning to go to The Formula Ford I Festival I thought you the were weekend, Yes hmm. uh, I was planning to go with Johnny Palmer did he not go either? He didn't get out of bed till one PM. Really? Mm.
2: I won't ask what he was doing on Saturday night then.
3: He was watching V eight supercars.
2: Ah, right. Obviously. Yes. I thought I should have d- oh no, I couldn't. It wouldn't have been on the telly where I was.
3: It wasn't on the telly here, it was on the uh, Well I meant Super Superview. Know,
2: Great Britain. Um So okay, so that's fine. Uh Uh Who won from the Ford Festival, do you know?
3: Uh, I know that right uh, where the final um, had two red flags in it Ah. um, because there were a few accidents. And right up until the penultimate corner, halfway around the final lap, Niall Murray, the reigning uh, Formula Ford Festival winner, was leading. Right. Um, And then uh, could you believe someone had the gall to try and overtake him? (laughs) Uh, sh- um, so, he tried to pass them back, and then the car that was in third uh, went past both of them. Really? Yes. Mm. Um, so, Niall Murray is third, but, sorry, finishes second, but because he won the Formula 4 Championship this year, he is still getting a Master Road to Indy ticket. Really? Yes. And the uh, Formula Ford Festival winner also gets a Mazda Road to Indy ticket. And as soon as I finish scrolling down here, I'll be able to tell you who that was. I think his name was Alex.
2: I couldn't find any results on the Formula Ford site that I I thought you would know.
3: lap chart. Uh, It wasn't. It was Josh Smith Mm. in the Van Diemen JL13. So uh, Josh Smith, the winner, Narmory, second, Oliver White, third. And the uh, Team USA scholarship drivers, um, not such a good result for them. Because um, Jake Craig uh, didn't finish. He had a little incident at Druids with Joey Foster right? Um, on the second restart. Yeah. Um, and Colin Mullen finished eighth.
2: That's oh, it's not too bad. They've got the Walter Hayes in a couple of weekends' time. We'll speak to them before that. A couple of uh, tweets before we go. Uh, this from Dominic says, Every time I hear Johnny Moulham uh, on the radio, I get, gain more and more respect for the guy. Uh, uh, honestly, talks a lot of sense. Thoroughly enjoy being with JMO. Uh, always a good thing. We. Um, I'd really like to do a race with him. And I think we'll try and work towards that. I think uh, doing a race with him, I could possibly then just say I've done enough, quite frankly. Nice to race with people that you uh, you wanted to do. And what else have we had? A number of people uh, applauding our Mexican pronunciation as well. And with all that Mexican news for a race of champions, uh, we didn't have any news in Spanish. We didn't. Tonight.
3: We so did have a lot of mentions of the number three, though.
2: Tonight's program was to, brought to you by the number three, uh, but we didn't have a we didn't have a, a prevalent letter
3: we tonight if we're no. going to do
2: that that sort of thing. Uh, this weekend, just the one event, so letting you down slightly. One
3: event, but two races.
2: Yes. Oh no. Good point. Good point. Well made. Beautifully presented. One event, two races. Port de Mau with the Michelin Road to Le Mans, Michelin Le Mans Cup rather, and the finale of. The uh, European Le Mans Series reminder tomorrow night eight o'clock. It's the uh, Online ra- uh, Racing Association Radio Show TRS. I was at the FOTSA World Championships, FOTSA Motorsport World Championships at the weekend. Congratulations to G2 Leish who uh, pretty much ran away with it, uh, and what a lovely bloke he is. So. Uh, was didn't get back to his hotel till 7 o'clock in the morning was out dancing the night before but still managed to uh, win well done to him uh, and coming up next Nick Damon for the first airing of a real world road test as, of an SUV like no other the SUV that puts sport into sport utility v- uh, vehicle <laughs> mm, it's the Maserati Levante and Nick Damon 90 grand car and Nick Damon what could possibly
3: go wrong what could possibly go wrong Uh, I've just remembered Mm. right at the start of the show we said we'd uh we we're alive with the football scores. Oh, yes, yeah. We didn't do that. No, we and didn't. And they've all finished now. So let's just run through the final results. There so were 1-0, 2-0, 4-3, 0-3 and 1-4.
2: Excellent. Well done uh, to you for that. And we'll see you next week. Join Johnny and Goodis this weekend from Portugal. But there's no time to explain. There's a very expensive car on test coming next.